my name is Ron Weasley. And fucking God. <laughs> so, my name is Ron Weasley. And I can fucking get it in this movie, apparently. And I'm just so goddamn horny all the time. <laughs> And so is everyone else, astonishingly, in the exact same way. <laughs> and this is No Nerds Allowed. And this I don't is know, No whatever. Nerds Allowed. Who fucking cares anymore? This show's bad. Hi, my name is Harry Potter. <laughs> and I'm less horny than usual. I'm, no, I think he's more horny I than this one. I am average amounts more horny, horny in this one. This is the horny movie by design. <laughs> Welcome to the horny movie starring the, horny one. the Harry Potter cast. All your, all your friends are here, and they're all horny <laughs> as hell. Can you imagine? Yes. If J.K. Rowling in like 2006 uh-huh. was like, talked about Here's the, the next Harry Potter, jacking off together. Well, yeah, right. She did that. First of all, that. But it's exactly the same. Everything's exactly the same. Okay. But J.K. Rowling just comes forward and is like, and now I'd like to announce the title of the sixth Harry Potter book, Harry Potter, volume six, colon, the horny one. (laughs) (laughs) Just lets that be. And Harry Potter, the book where Dumbledore dies is called the horny one. The horny one. Harry Potter. (laughs) No, it has to be Harry Potter in the the blank. So it'd be Harry Potter at the time all of his friends were just so goddamn horny. (laughs) No, Okay. Um, and it's gonna be, like, the something of the something. Yeah. Um, Harry Potter and the horniness of... Teenhood. Grindelwald. God. <laughs> I like the horniness of teenhood. Well, That's you pretty see, good. they implied the horniness of Grindelwald, but then they didn't. Right. But then they didn't. I'm, we'll get there. We'll get there soon enough. We're only, like, four movies why away. Why didn't Grindelwald fuck Dumbledore? Why not? He did. Off screen. I do not want the context. I want it. J.K. Rowling. <laughs> um, I okay, don't know so. what character that was, but I hate her. <laughs> <laughs> um, we need to talk about I TikTok think it's, for a minute. I think it's Angry Theater Girl. I think that's who that uh, yeah, character no, it's, is. Yeah, absolutely Angry Theater Girl okay. is who that character well, is. Welcome um, to the show, Angry Theater Girl. <laughs> we will see her again. Um, okay. Uh, I think before we get into the movie, we need to talk about TikTok for we a minute. We need to talk about TikTok. I finally broke down and I downloaded the app. I have created nothing on it and I never, I intend never to. You don't want to be TikTok um, famous? Okay, real quick. I don't. Real quick. My Would that be good for our social media brand, do you think? Maybe. My best, fr- one of my best friends, his little sister is on TikTok and she keeps saying the phrase that she is TikTok famous. Because she made a video that got like a thousand views or something. She made a video that got like decently popular. But now she keeps saying that she's TikTok famous. Like it's a title that someone has bequeathed to her. And I don't understand it. Because she's not. (laughs) Like, right? She (laughs) made one video and it got a decent amount of exposure. But now she's like, I'm TikTok famous. And I'm like, hun babe, you're not. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay, here's the thing about TikTok though. Is it's like genuinely dangerous it's like it's designed explicitly to suck you in oh yeah absolutely. they don't they they get rid of the clock at the top it's like a las vegas casino and you yeah. don't know what time it is yeah um and it's there's not like an interface really it just shows you a video <laughs> oh god and if you don't like it 
you just swipe to the next one and there's the next one. How do you... And it goes on forever. It's not like a feed. It's just like a constantly generated stream of a new video you haven't seen yet. How do you find anything? You well, there is like a you know on the like bottom you can go board. like okay. oh search yeah okay but okay, there's okay. not like a s- p- click on a video function gotcha. you know um, that's kind of I don't like that <laughs> yeah no it's kind of freaky in its own weird kind of way and like literally because everything is so short and there's literally no sort of. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You don't ever feel like you're beholden to stay on a certain video. Yeah, because it's... Like, it doesn't matter what they show you. Because you're just going to keep going. Like, if they show you something stupid... You cannot stop this train. Yeah. If they show you something stupid, you're just like, oh, whatever, the next one. And the next one's like, oh, this is kind of funny. I've also found that, like, it definitely tailors to uh, the videos it shows you based on how long you look at videos. It doesn't even matter if you engage with them or not. Pinterest does like, that too, and I hate it. Yeah, so, like, I noticed as I was scrolling, like, at first it was, like, um, whenever... Because, you know, there's that whole trend of, like, girls wearing, like, short skirts and, like, being cute on TikTok, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like, doing these, like, thirst traps. Yeah, um, you can call and it pedophilia, for a while, fine. It can call it what? You can call it pedophilia, it's fine. It's uh, whatever. Um, <laughs> run, run away. The, uh, um, but like a lot of the times, it's like TikTok has this whole weird thing where like everything you're never quite sure if it's gonna turn into a joke or if it just is really sincerely like yeah. what it is, yeah. you know. Um, well, that's so because... for a really long time, what? Well, that's because TikTok started off as musically, which was literally just be attractive and 12 and people will give you money and then you got like the e-boys and the e-girls and the cosplay people and all the thirst people and that's just what tiktok was but all of the vine people have nowhere else to go so tiktok (laughs) was the only place that they could go so now you get like just people being funny on tiktok but you still gotta sift through everything else and that's what's scary about tiktok that's why i watch youtube compilations where someone else (laughs) has sifted through the garbage of tiktok in order to give me the funny things so that i don't have to see the rest of it right but yeah so my point is is like i um when i first was like scrolling through and i hadn't like learned the intricacies of it yet yeah i was like whenever like one of these like girls in short skirts doing dances came on I would usually, like, watch the whole thing because I was never quite sure if it was, like, just this or, like, going to turn into a funny joke. Or if it was making because, fun of that. Yeah, and, like, 40% of the time they turn into a joke, but sometimes they don't. Um, and that's the only, like, kind of video on there that you're not sure which way it's going to go. Yeah, you know? <laughs> this could go um, so wrong so right. quick. Um, but because I was, like, finishing those videos usually, I got more and more and more of, like, girls in short skirts doing dances. And then eventually I was like, okay, even when these are funny, they're not funny enough for this to be worth it. I don't want to see these anymore. So I started like just scrolling past please them. Please just you know. stop TikTok, please. Um, <laughs> and then it like responded to that though. Because yeah. I was giving it less eyeball time, it started showing me less and less and less You gotta it. earn your Jackson eyeball time. He doesn't just <laughs> yeah. give that out. 
It's so crazy. And like when seriously, it's like I it's so crazy. It's I mean, the weirdest thing Pinterest in the world. Pinterest does the same thing. And what's Pinterest I think is maybe the worst and weirdest website on the planet. First of all, half the time you open it it doesn't work. It just straight up crashes and doesn't work. But it's mm-hmm. also got the weirdest like it's the weirdest website. It's social media, but you do not communicate with anyone else. You just see what they are doing. But you don't mm-hmm. you don't communicate with them. It's like you're spying on all of your neighbors. That's what Pinterest is like. <laughs> but your right. neighbors are either moms cooking and making crafts for their children, or teenagers making dramatic AUs of everything possible. And those are right, your right, only right, right. two neighbors, and they're both freaking weirdos, <laughs> but in different ways. So I use Pinterest for character development, and I also use it for drawing references. And for your own character development? Yeah, for my own character development as a person. <laughs> Pinterest is my therapy. But anyway, for <laughs> developing characters. But sometimes I'll look at something because Pinterest doesn't give a shit what I want. It just shows me right. things. It's like, hey, fucking look at this. And I'm like, God, please no. And then when I do look at it because I have to, to look at the things I want to look at, it's like, you like this? You want more of this? You want more Warrior Cats fan art? Is that what you want, (laughs) Adeline? And I'm like, no, please, God, do not give me this. (laughs) It's like, oh, do you want Stranger Things fan art? Do you want Stranger Things porn? And I'm like, no, no, I don't (laughs) want that Pinterest. Please, for the love of God, stop. And it just, it keeps happening. And I don't understand why. I looked up one cat drawing reference because I was trying to draw a cat and it won't stop giving me Warriors cat stuff and I don't know how to get it to stop. <laughs> I, did, I didn't even I like- read Warrior Cats. I don't even know what's going on in the fan art. It's just like, do you want this really dramatic scene of a cat like killing another cat and they're both like crying and they're both named like Thundersnow or something? And I'm like, what the fuck is happening, Pinterest? I need you to tell me, I need you to be completely honest with me, Adeline, when yeah. I ask you this. <laughs> yeah. How long in your life, up to this time, have you considered what your warrior cat name would be? <laughs> Zero! <laughs> are, I you, didn't even... are you being brutally honest? I'm being so honest, dude. Okay, a lot of my friends <laughs> in elementary school were like, they were like on the warrior's cat's bus. The cat bus of warrior cats. And they were Hayao like, Miyazaki's warrior cat bus. Yeah, exactly. They were way into it. But I thought it was stupid. I was, thank the stars that I thought it was stupid, that I didn't read it. So I think my <laughs> friends would, like, go off with each other and play warrior cats on the playground, and I wouldn't play warrior cats with them. I would wait till they were done playing warrior cats so that we could play something else. <laughs> That's so fucking They good. would go off and play warrior cats, and I'd be like, all right, tight, I'm gonna swing for a little bit. Tell me when you're done, and we'll play Zelda or something. <laughs> And by Zelda, I mean we would run around and, like, pretend we were Zelda characters, but, like, still. (laughs) Okay, there's one more thing I want to say about TikTok before we move on and stop. Um, The thing that I hate most in this world Uh is people taking the audio from comedy sketches. Oh, yep. And just lip syncing them and not doing anything. The worst is when they do it with vines. It's like, do you fucking think I haven't seen this vine? And, I'm on yeah, TikTok. Just, like, I've seen this vine. 
you're adding nothing. Yeah. You're just like, hey, somebody created something funny, and I want people to to associate it with me and see it coming out of my mouth as yeah. if I came up with it. And, and it's just it'll like, be less popular and less funny. It'll never be as funny. See, and, you know, sometimes people do that with, like, cosplay, kind of. And they'll be like, oh, I'm dressed up as somebody from Neon Genesis Evangelion and I'm saying something from a vine. And it's like the joke is that it's like, oh, that's so that character. Yeah. That's fine. Whatever. I'm cool with that. You could do that if you want. But if you're just like, hi, my name's Jackson. I'm in my room and and I'm uh, going to point a camera at myself and say, yeah, I'm going to point a camera at myself and say something that John Mulaney said once. Just like, don't do it. Don't do that. Because for nobody and. We all know who John Mulaney is. We all know. We like it's like it's like they're trying to like pull a fast one, but like everyone yeah. everyone knows what they're doing. It's like we've it's seen we've seen we know the stop. Worst. You know you know that thing because everyone else knows that thing. It's like right. if I walked into the middle of class and my and we had all just watched our teacher like draw this big math problem up on the board, and then as soon as he was done with that math problem and he like left the room to like take a smoke break or something, and then I just like walked up to the front of the class, so I was like, "Hey, I wrote this." Everyone would be like, um, <laughs> "No, you fucking no, did you it." Did. <laughs> <laughs> or no, what it would be. Is if you just wrote it again underneath yeah, it. Yeah, underneath and it like, and didn't uh, erase it. I was uh, like, what do you guys think of this also, though? Yeah. You see what I'm bringing to the table? What, what and then about some people, this? And then it's like, nobody really buys it, but like subconsciously, people still kind of weirdly associate it with you afterwards. Oh, yeah, because you're the weirdo you that hope. came up and wrote the same thing. <laughs> right. Okay, re- one more thing about TikTok, I swear to God. Okay. There's like this really, <laughs> there's this beautiful intersection of happens that's like, cosplay like role-playing and also comedy where it's like right. regular people doing like cosplay role-play stuff and like in a comedic way like there's these guys that like they Im- they imitate peter parker but they're basically doing like comedy bits as peter parker and they're all really right. funny <laughs> i mean there's the really good one of the guy imitating the way that like tom holland talks he's just like in his room and he goes oh tony stark oh you're you're fucking my aunt. Oh man, dude. Oh, just, oh, Mr. Stark, just for like two minutes, and it's really funny. But then there's okay. this other one of a, of a guy who's also pretending to be Peter Parker, and he's just like, so you know how when I like there was like a secret mission, you know how I like I go out the window because I'm Spider Man. Uh, and he like turns around, he's got this giant black spot on his forehead, and he's like, well, I forgot to open the window this time. It's just like <laughs> stuff like that. That's really funny. Here's a general rule of thumb for TikTok. Yes. If you're making a comedy sketch. Yes. It should be no longer than 10 seconds. Yes. If it, it feels goes like, on for so long and I'm like, what are we, where am I? Yeah. It's like, these are the things, like if you make a comedy sketch on TikTok that's like 40 seconds long, I promise you I'm, it's not funny. Yeah. It stops being like, th- this is the mistake that <clears throat> SNL always made where you got, exactly. a, you got a one beat joke and you do it for 12 beats and by the third beat, <laughs> Everyone has already checked out of what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, if you're, if any, any TikTok influencers out there listening to our show. And there Take are. my advice. Um, fit it into 10 seconds. Whatever you got to do to make that happen, make it happen. Yeah. It's precisely why Vine was so great. And it's that restriction that made it so cool and all of those videos so funny. Yeah. If you're not doing that, it sucks. If your TikTok wrong. video is longer than 15 seconds, 
I guarantee it's not funny. funny. Um. Anyway, okay. So here's what we're gonna do. Okay. You're gonna make a TikTok too, Adeline. Oh God. Um. We're gonna we're gonna lip sync our own comedy bit <laughs> from this podcast. <laughs> I'm gonna do my part, and then you're gonna do edit and do your part, and we're gonna go viral. Are you ready? Okay. I will do this with you. <laughs> starting starting with this sound clip we're creating right now. But this isn't even a good sound clip. This is just like you regular. have to make it good. Go, Adeline. I'm, make it good. Go. I'm talking. <laughs> My name is Ronald Weasley. <laughs> Perfect. So anyway, the Half Blood Prince. Um. Yes, Harry Potter and the Half Blood Prince. Um. I. Okay. This movie is sort of the Harry Potter world is kind of divided, right? Yeah. I would say like three quarters of people say that um, Prisoner of Azkaban is the best one. And I would say one quarter of people say that Half-Blood Prince is the best one. Hmm. Um, This is like, you know, Half-Blood Prince is the best one is a less popular take, but it is still a a, a prevalent one. It is still a take. Yeah, that is known. Um, I don't, I don't think, I I don't know if I like this one as much as I like Order of the Phoenix, to be honest. Order of the Phoenix was really good. Yeah, to me, what I really like about this movie is that it's sort of a, I don't know, it's just this weird kind of hangout movie, right? Uh Like, all of the other movies so far have been, like, so systematic and, like, building up this world and, like, this rising action of this plot and, like, Voldemort coming back and, like, this really direct through line. And then this one's just, like, Voldemort's not in it. Yeah. Voldemort's not going to do anything. Remember that guy. It's just, yeah, it's just going to be about the kids going through puberty and having their own character issues. And we're going to learn a lot about Dumbledore. And it's sort of this piece. It's like this area where we can let Draco Malfoy do some cool things and we can learn some things about Snape. And it's just like taking all these characters and learning more about them before Mm -hmm. we hit the climax of the seventh one, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think this... To me, this movie is like the cilantro that makes the dish really great. It's not like the cilantro itself is not the the best part of the meal, but like without it, the meal wouldn't be better than any other really good meal. You, Does that make sense? You need to pick a better metaphor. It's like the no, salt. No, hold on, Jackson. Hold on. <laughs> you are first of all. Okay. Cilantro is a garnish. I hope to Christ that when you go to a fancy restaurant and with your fancy boy church clothes and you sit down and you put the napkin in your neck and the waiter comes over and he puts the dish right in front of you and it's a beautiful plate set aside for you and you just take your little hands and you just pick up the garnish and shove it down your throat in front of everyone. I hope to God you okay, don't okay. do that. <laughs> okay, okay. You can use cilantro in, in a dish, though. It is also a seasoning that is available but, to you if you it, grind but, it up real no nice. No dish has ever been, like, put up to, like, the next level by Cilantro. cilantro. That's not. <laughs> okay, fine. I'll pick a Gordon different Ramsay fucking walks ingredient. Gordon Ramsay into a restaurant and he says, "What the fuck is all this bullshit? My name is Gordon Ramsay. Ram sauce." And then someone puts <laughs> a piece of fucking cilantro on his soup or whatever, and he's like, "You fucking done it. Congratulations." Put some fucking cilantro on this, you fat cow. You fat cow. <laughs> Good for you. And how was it? <laughs> 
as a reference to that video from the set of Terminator Genesis where Christian Bale freaked out on that lighting guy. Just freaks the fuck um, out. And it's, we've discovered that it's about ten times funnier if you do it as Gordon Ramsay. Just as Gordon Ramsay instead of Christian Bale. Because <laughs> Christian Bale doesn't have a funny voice. But you know who does have a funny voice? Gordon, Gordon Ramsay. Ramsay. He, I think uh, it would go a little like this. Anyway, if imagine that whole metaphor I just said. Was I said was a good one. lemon pepper instead. Okay. I said Tabasco sauce instead. Great. Would you agree with my point? Yes. Okay. It it heightens what we're going to get to later because it makes all the characters closer together and feel more fleshed out. And I, I, my favorite. Okay, so just like. <laughs> what is so funny? Just a second of you going. Yeah! <laughs> Can I tell you something? Yeah. Um I listen to this podcast usually whenever we're about to record a new episode, mm-hmm. just throughout my day, I usually pop it in and listen to a couple of episodes just to like get myself in the same headspace of our Yeah, cuz like, you have it on CD and you put it on in Our our vibe. Yeah, no, I put it in my disc man and I just check it out. Um yeah. But I've just noticed that there is so much time of me just going, uh, it's so, it's, uh, uh, and if, uh, uh, and one of these days I'm going to go through and just cut it all together all at once. <laughs> and it's going to be horrifying. <laughs> because, because there's so your, much more of it than I would like for there to be. It's just your brain buffering. But if you cut it all together, it would really seem like you were having a stroke. <laughs> yeah, no, it would be really not good. Um, and it's just one of those things that's like, I don't know if anybody else thinks about it, but just because it's me, I'm like, fucking Jackson, stop doing that. You sound <laughs> insane. Jackson, um, please. <laughs> but uh, the first thing I have written down is uh-huh. just that I think it's really funny that Harry just has mints with him. That um, is really funny. Because, <laughs> like, this go movie, ahead. The beginning of this movie is so weird because the movies have progressively been getting darker because, like, I feel like, because right. they're like, Voldemort is coming back, Voldemort is here, it is scary angst time. And I feel like the opening of this movie really tries to sell you that that's what they're doing. That, like, everything is dark, like, Voldemort is here, we are fucked, like, it's go time. And they do that with, like, right. the dark and, like, the like the muted colors and, like, the flashes of light and, like, Harry Potter, like, kind of being, like, bombarded <laughs> by people. And, like, it's all very artsy and very dark. And it's, like, setting the tone for it. And we see the, de- not the Dementors, we see the Death Eaters come and blow up that bridge like they're Mothman and do all that stuff. Like, it sets it up as <laughs> right. very, very dark. And then we actually open the film with Harry Potter just being adorable with this waitress at the, on the subway. <laughs> like, I don't know. Right. It just it feels like such a weird, like, rug to pull underneath your feet. Like, oh, we're going to be dark and scary. <laughs> Here's some cute right. teenage stuff. Can I can I just say something, Ari? This movie being dark and moody. Yeah. Um, <coughs> the the color grading on this movie is fucking out of control. Yeah. No. Yeah. Like, well, because when they go is... to the they go to they go to the cave of wonders at the end of the movie, and it's like right. literally just black and white, which is really effective in making it creepy. But it's just like <laughs> right. They're just like this part of the movie is black and white now, and I'm like, okay. Yeah. No, this whole fucking movie looks like a perfume commercial <laughs> or like an Evanescence music video. Can like we it's just say that when Dumbledore apparates in front of Harry Potter and he's in front of that perfume poster that says like divine magic on it is maybe the funniest <laughs> right. thing ever. <laughs> um so yeah, I don't know. Because I feel like this movie came out in what was it, 2006? Um Oh, I thought 2009. I was... 2009. Yeah, I was, uh, I was This is... Yeah. 
I was gonna say this is sort of like the early days of like color grading being like a popularly used thing, but no, I guess we'd, we'd been at it for at least like eight years at this no, point. No, they've so been dipping the Matrix in green colored Kool Aid since way before. <laughs> right. Well, no, because that's the thing, right? Is uh, Oh Brother Where Art Thou was the first movie to do digital color grading, True. right? Um, Which is bonkers. the Matrix. Yeah, it's crazy. And, like the Matrix was all like in camera Practical. or like in film treatment you oh, know gotcha. actually did um, the, the film and kool-aid got it yeah and I, I don't i'm not knowledgeable enough on arcane color grading techniques to speak on this mm-hmm. but it wasn't done with a computer right yeah. um they would like but yeah i don't know to it. i'd have to take a look and see, like i wonder when it was that digital color grading became like a really well used process I'm trying to think of, like, the most color-graded movies I can think of. What about, like, Bad Boys 2? When did that come out? Bad Boys Boys 2 2. was was 2003. What about 300? 300 was 2006. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. This is nothing. Okay, cool. (laughs) Whatever. Digital color grading. It's crazy that we didn't have that for so long, and now it's, like, critical to now i can literally just do it in two seconds on my computer yeah um <laughs> i love uh, i i whoa holy shit hold on <laughs> I'm, uh, I, <laughs> see i just like go like um i like start my sentence a few times and then i speak you go you go the whole <laughs> nine yards of having a stroke for a second <laughs> anyway i i really liked this book if i remember correctly i remember that I, I remember that uh, Order of the Phoenix was always my favorite book, but I also really enjoyed this book. But because uh, I love this scene where they're going to talk to Togshorn, what's his name? Slughorn. Slughorn. Listen, it's not a real name. They made it up anyway. Slughorn. <laughs> no name is a real name, Adelaide. Okay, all but this up. one especially is two nouns put together, <laughs> just like fucking Hogwarts. Okay, J.K. Rowling, please. I hate I hate fantasy names in any universe. We're like, okay, we have to come up with like a fantasy name of something. They're like, what about Bumble Snoop? And it's like, no, guys, <laughs> fucking god, I hate playing Dungeons and Dragons with like the like books that they have like pre-made adventures in because everyone's name is like incomprehensible, like twelve syllables long with six apostrophes in it. And, like, I get <laughs> right. you're going for, like, that Lord of the Rings vibe, but I have to say this name, like, six times, and I can't pronounce it once. <clears throat> this is Anyway, your Adeline point about Slughorn, Adelaide. I love that scene when they go in to talk to Slughorn. And I just, I don't know, like, it's just such, it's kind of that same kind of, like, carpet pull from out from under you. Where it's like, oh, that's super scary, like, what's going on here? This place has totally been torn apart. And then it gets, it gets a little bit destroyed first. When Dumbledore licks a drop of blood off of Harry's so forehead so good. and says nothing, <laughs> and, and then it like goes along with it. Yeah, so and then good. it's completely shattered when Slughorn is the couch, which is a very good moment when like all oh, literally all dread like completely goes away and like this moment of relief. Yeah. And I think it's really good. But then, and then and only then does Dumbledore say the dragon's blood that was up there, and that raises just even more questions. <laughs> Right, that he recognizes dragon's blood by taste. By taste. <laughs> Dumbledore's like, it's just Friday so nights, am I right? And, you know, that's the thing about it, is that, like, I, I Dumbledore, 
there's a possibility that it was really just wrecked and there was human blood falling from the ceiling. Yeah. And Dumbledore was totally comfortable with to the just, thought of just, just being like, it. let me see if this is human blood. It might be human blood, and if it is, I'm comfortable with the idea that I'm just going to lick it. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's, he's fine with it. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about the sound design in this movie mm-hmm. because it's incredible. Um. The uh, the first thing that really stands out is, like, when Slughorn is turning back from a couch into a man. Yeah, um, you get, like, But it's, like, you hear sounds. all the, like, springs clanging around yeah. and, like, the metal of the sofa. It's so good. Um, and then right after that, when they're, like, putting the apartment back together, yeah. like, just all the weird, like, backward sounds of everything, like, clicking and snapping into place and, like, coming together. And, like, is, the like, squeaking so... of that piece of the chandelier under Harry's foot. Like, it's so good. <laughs> right, yeah. Like, it's, everything is so, like, tactile. Yeah. And it is, like, just heightened enough to make it feel like a fantasy world without, like, taking you out of the reality the experience of it yeah. you know yeah it's so great and then, and then um, Dumbledore goes that was fun which is just really nice <laughs> yeah, I know I love Slughorn mm-hmm. I think he's probably one of my favorite Harry Potter characters he is like um, the most like realistic like college professor depiction I've ever seen totally yeah and I love that line where um he says something along the lines of like oh and your mother was really incredible too which is like cool because she was a muggle-born even and Harry is like, whoa, what the fuck do you mean by that? And he's like, oh, no, 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 I'm not a racist. It's just like, you know, she was really cool in spite of the fact she was a muggle-born. And it's like, you know, he's not like a Death Eater. He's not like yeah. actively engaging in genocide or whatever. But it's like, that's still not good, Slughorn. Yeah, it's, it's like, I don't me, know. To me, that was more, that was like him, like trying to be woke, you know? That was him being like hey, what's up, kids? I Muggleborns are cool. And it's like, well... Yeah. Like, you got, like, you got the spirit of it, but you're not... Yeah. He doesn't have the language because he's an older guy. So it's right. like that thing when, like, you're... When you, like, talk to, like, your grandpa about gay people and he's like, I think gay people are all right. And it's like... <laughs> Yeah. Okay, Grandpa. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's exactly like that. And it's more like, I don't know. And I think there's just, like, a fundamental attitude that it's, like... You know, I don't have any prejudice against individual people. It's just like, you know, it's just the way it works. Like, Muggleborns aren't aren't naturally as gifted magically as full-blooded wizards are. And, you know, it doesn't make them bad people. It's just, you know, that's the way it is. It's kind of like, women are just more suited to be in the home. You know, that's their place. And if a woman is a CEO, that's great for her. It's incredible that she was able to overcome her womanly nature. You know? <laughs> overcome her uterus. It's like, it's like, you're... You got some stuff to learn still, yeah. you know, like he, like, he like, understands it. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't come up again, which I think is even more realistic where it's just like, <laughs> right. he just says this weird thing and you're like, all right, moving on. Does your, and do you cool. have teachers, I, do you have college professors that ever just say like the weirdest shit, like out of nowhere and then they never bring it up ever again and you just have to move on because you're like in the middle of a class? <laughs> right. Uh, not really. I had one professor who was, like, it was my, like, intro to, like, mass communications class. So yeah. there was a bit where we were talking about, like, the prejudice and, like, ways that it could come through and, like, broadcasting and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And there was a moment when he, like, got to the slide about, like, sexual preference where he was, like, Hey, everybody! This was last year. <laughs> hey, everybody! Uh, gay people should be allowed to marry each other! And that's just the way that it is. And everyone was like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, um, yeah, uh-huh. 
we you don't really have to sell us on on that i don't think like like he was like shattering our whole like yeah. worldview by like standing up for gay people yeah. like you're we all gonna be like wow he's so brave he's like really sticking his neck out for you the gays of the world brave. <laughs> exactly but everyone was just like uh-huh uh-huh like marriage is not really the thing we're talking about anymore when it comes to queer <laughs> like issues right. like yeah. that's kind of like the absolute bottom of the barrel that we passed like a real long time ago yeah. it feels like uh <laughs> i don't know but other than that not really i don't know do you have a story you want to tell well i just had i just had a, pr- a professor once we were he was maybe the worst professor i've ever had he did not teach us anything he would literally like walk out of the classroom and not come back just like in the middle of class <laughs> so he was a fun dude <laughs> But we had to write this paper, and he gave us three topics that we could choose about. And I was writing about the American deficit and, like, how it came along and, like, solutions that people have, like, proposed and stuff. And I could tell that he was, like, reading our rough drafts, and he was, like, upset about how liberal some of our papers were. And so right. he gets up in the front of the class, he's like, can we talk about how Obama screwed us all over? And we're all like... <laughs> We're all, like, actively doing research on this, and we're like, yeah, that, yeah, Obama did some stuff. Can we talk about Ronald Reagan, though, and Reaganism? And he's like, no. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> anyway, are you going to give me a bad grade on my paper because I'm not a libertarian? <laughs> um, I One of my favorite little moments in this movie mm-hmm. is when Dumbledore says... Um, to Harry, like, after that whole scene, he's like, I'm really sorry I had to take you away. That that girl you were talking to seemed like she was really nice, and I think you would have gotten along. And Harry's like, oh, well, you know, it's okay. I'll, I'll, I'll come back another time, and I'll make an excuse. And he's like, um, well, uh, no, you can't do that, because we're gonna go, like, to Hogwarts right now. And he was like, oh. And he, like, starts pouting after that. Yeah. I thought that was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> he's like Harry. Um, Harry thinks he's being like really cool about it. And he's like, yeah, no, it's yeah. fine. And Dumbledore's like, uh, it's actually not fine. Not fine. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I also absolutely- okay. Oh, you could go. Yeah, I just think like after they go to the borough right after that, there's that moment where like, oh, he shows up, and then I mean, there's that whole gag where they're like, um, yo, Harry's here, and everyone's yeah. like, what? I think that's really funny. I absolutely but, um, adore that shot of Ginny Weasley like yelling up the stairs at everybody, oh, and you yeah. see like everybody's heads pop out, and like you have like the theme playing, like it's just such a nice shot. Yeah. I love it so much. And they're all just like, um, hey, is Harry here? And, and like, they're like, no. Is that Harry? Did His he stuff's show up in the front room, ago? though. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, but then there's this shot that I kind of super don't like, where it's yeah. like he shows up and him and Ginny have this really like long hug, and then like Ron and Hermione come down, and Ron is immediately like, I'm gonna touch Hermione's face, and it's just like, here's the couples in this one, yeah, <laughs> you know, like they don't let it like happen naturally. They're just like, okay, 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 okay. Um, just so you know, this is what we're working towards. In this <laughs> this is what we're doing. Well, because yeah. like it's kind of implied that like since like Hermione's here, it's kind of like oh they are dating. This is why Hermione is here. But then they continue. I don't think so. That's what I got from it. Maybe I didn't. Maybe I interpreted it wrong. But because they're like surprised that like Harry is here, so like Hermione being there and like everybody knows like because they all like meet up at the beginning of the year. But like Hermione has like been there for like a while, which is what I got right. from it. But anyway, yeah. I forgot. I mean, isn't there a line in this movie? 
Isn't there a line in this movie when she's talking about her parents, though, and she kind of implies that they're having kind of a strained relationship right now? Well, they talk about it when she was like, I was thinking come, and Ron goes, yeah, because my mom freaked out. Oh, that's right, yeah. And then she kind of says, like, too, like, yeah, my parents, even though they're muggles, still know that there's something really bad going on. Yeah, the way I read that line was more like she she's going to stay with the Weasleys because, like, her parents don't really know how to cope with all these things, and they feel safer with her being, like, with wizards, you know? I didn't get um, that, but I like that. Yeah, I don't know. That's sort of that's sort of the way I read the sitch. Um, the, uh, I really, I'm trying to think. Yeah, so, I mean, after this, we get that scene with Narcissa Malfoy and Bellatrix Lestrange, like, doing the unbreakable oath on yeah. Snape. To, to doing an, him, an yeah. oath to him uh, about, like, him protecting Malfoy. And I just, yeah. I don't know, I like that Snape actually cares about Malfoy. Yeah. I think that's cool. He does, like, punch him a lot in this movie, but I like I like this scene a lot. <laughs> it's but tough I, love. I, <laughs> I, what I really, I love the conflict of this movie. Like, these themes of, like true evil and like children and like can you see true evil and children and like stuff like that like all those concepts because i love this idea of like draco's basically being forced into doing these evil things and they keep like his mom like keeps saying over and over again like he's just a boy and then i love that line that dumbledore has when he's trying to kill him where he's like i knew another boy who made all the wrong decisions like there's all these themes between draco and tom riddle where it's like Tom Riddle was a kid once, and, like, what does that mean for every other yeah. kid at Hogwarts? Like, I love that thing that Dumbledore says at the beginning of the year when they get to the Great Hall and he gives that opening speech. And he's like, there was a kid that was here, and his name was Tom Riddle. And any of you could literally be the next Tom Riddle. You are their greatest <laughs> right. weapon. And I think it's such a cool thing to say. It's a really shitty opening speech to give to a bunch of children, but it's a really right. cool thing to say. <laughs> he's right, but he shouldn't say it. Yeah, he's right. Please, Dumbledore, please. <laughs> um, yeah, and, you know, I feel like a lot of the theming of this movie is just based around, like, all these bad guys are people too, you yeah. know, like these people are bad guys for a reason. And it's just as important to like, sort of take a look at them and their motivations and their reasons and try to prevent other people mm-hmm. from turning out like that as it is to stop the ones who already exist. You know, yeah. we get so much extra time talking about young Tom Riddle. We get so much extra time talking about Malfoy and Snape, like mm-hmm. all these people. And you get to see like this more, um, like, compassionate side of them, weirdly, mm-hmm. you know? Like, Narcissa Malfoy is, like, worried about her son, and she wants Snape, who's this double agent, to look after him. And Snape, who's this double agent, cares enough about this little Death Eater boy mm-hmm. that he want, he he's willing to go along with it and make sure that he's safe, you know? Yeah. Um, it's like everybody has in their own, like, complicated issues and, like, people they care about in the context of this story, and I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we immediately the, uh, jump to Fred and George's prank world, <laughs> right? Which is so great. Which I also really love. This movie um, jumps around a lot in the beginning part because it has to set up all these things that we're gonna be like checking back in on throughout the film. But right. at the beginning of the film, it does get a little bit discombobulating because we're like going from here to here to here, and we're like, oh, Narcissa and Snape are doing this really dramatic like thing that'll kill Snape if he doesn't do it, and right. then it's like. 
hey, friend George, you're here. <laughs> Remember your fun uncles? It's just like, okay. So, and then we immediately so yeah. go to Draco going to the cabinet. Like, it's just, it's a lot of whiplash. Right. So, okay. In the book, was it ever established that Harry was, like, a financier of this place? That he, like, gave them the money to buy the store? Yeah, that was the whole thing. Because when he went, won okay. the Quidditch Cup, or not the Quidditch Cup, when he won the Triwizard Tournament... He wanted to give the money to Harry, or he wanted to give the money to oh, Ron. Oh, that's right. And Ron didn't want the money because he's always insecure about that. So instead, he gave it to Fred and George so they could start their store. Right. But aren't they still at Hogwarts in the fifth one, though? Are they just sitting on it? I think they might just be sitting on it. Well, because that's when they start, like, selling the products. So I think they're oh, still right. using that nest egg. Yeah, because I was going to say, they don't do that in the movie. It's just like, Fred and George have their own store now, and it's doing really, really well in an economic depression. You're like, yeah. okay, sure, well, it's, fine. I mean, they were still making movies during the Great Depression. Like, I feel like that's totally, well, yeah, exactly. totally realistic. But yeah. yeah, it's just like, they dropped out of school last year. And now... <laughs> Two days ago. They have they have a very large storefront. Yeah. Like, four months later. Well, this... Um, go ahead. Well, it's concept of like because like if i wanted to open up a business i would have to like buy a storefront and i would have to make all the product and i would have to like make sure that there was stuff in the store and like hire people and whatever but if i was a wizard like what's the like how much money does it really cost to open up like a store like i have to buy the storefront but then i can just use magic i can just magic a table like i don't have to pay for a table this is a really fair. stupid wizard's economical question, <laughs> but I just think that we should all talk about it and think about yeah, we it. We should ask J.K. Rowling we about it, We should ask, so everyone tweet, tweet at J.K. Rowling and be like, hey, uh, what's the difference between opening up a storefront, like, expense-wise for <laughs> muggles versus the expense of opening up a store in the wizarding world? Like, do, do they all have to pay rent? Is it just, like, a flat deposit? Uh, if, if your store gets turned into a toad, <laughs> do they reimburse you? Is there wizard insurance? There yeah, is there wizard insurance is a really good world, question. So, uh, yeah, I wrote that down. <laughs> yeah, so it's, like, there's the, there is this, this is way later, but Hermione's, like, oh, dentists are guys that make sure that your teeth are healthy. And they're all like, that's fascinating. That's so crazy and weird. It's like, what do you guys do with your teeth? Yeah. Do you guys- Is there a spell that's just like, good teeth? my teeth are good now. <laughs> I've got Ickes. good teeth. Good teethiosis. Poof. Good- <laughs> good. This spell is the good teeth spell. It's called good dick kiss teethiora. And then all your teeth get good if they were- are bad. Yeah. Um, J.K. Rowling. Yeah, it's just like I don't know. Do wizards ever have to pay for furniture? Can they make their yeah. own furniture? There's a part, or do they have to buy it still? Well, the burrow burns down, and everyone is mega sad. And I get, right. I get like the sentiment of it, but then I'm like, fix it with magic, you guys. Yeah, earlier this movie, there was this whole sequence where they just fixed some just shit fixed with magic. Just fixed a whole room, like they fixed a whole house. So now that your house has been damaged, maybe we could, um, I don't know, use Just some, do magic on just it. Just do magic again. You know how to do it. You're going to um, school to do magic. You know how to do magic. Come on, you guys. Right. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I just think it's odd that they play it like, oh, because Voldemort's back, like, storefronts are doing really poorly. I'm not quite sure what the cause and effect well, is there. Well, because we saw but, that like, shot, whatever. I think in the books there's a little bit more of a like a political takeover than there is in the movies so far right 
Because there's that one shot at the very beginning when they Mothman the bridge, where they're like, they right. like go into that store and blow it up and like pull the store owner out and like put put a bag over his head or something. I don't remember. But Is the like implication like, that just like people are afraid to like do their jobs? Well, I think they're being like intimidated by Death Eaters or like being right. driven out of business, like kind of like the mob does. You know how the mob right. would be. Except Fred and George are willing to stand up to the yeah, death eaters. to stand up to the mob. They're 17 years old. And they're like, eh, fuck you guys. <laughs> we started this business two days ago. We're going to keep doing our you goofy bullshit You want this land? Emporium. Come claim it. We've got darkness powder and love potions. Get the fuck out of here. I can vomit on command. <laughs> what do you got? <laughs> Just try and take our store. I'll make you fall in love with me. <laughs> Then what are you going to do? Kill me? Your one true love? I don't think so. <laughs> um, it's foolproof. All right, can I we also talk wrote about, down... Can we talk oh, about Malfoy's all-black My Chemical yeah, Romance no. suit? That was literally what I was about to say. The next <laughs> thing I wrote down was Draco can get it in that suit. His little, his little goth boy suit. It's okay. <laughs> Also, um, no, yeah, this movie is like 100% where all the like Draco fanboyism comes from. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Because absolutely. he's just like super hot and like wearing these really nice clothes. And there's that scene where he's like crying in the bathroom with his jacket off and his sleeves all rolled up like yeah. a tough guy. Yeah, and he's all And it's wet. just like, oh, yeah, this is like Tumblr boyfriend O'Clock. This is <laughs> O'clock. like, look at my watch. 100%. Time to leave. <laughs> um, I, I love. I love Luna so much. She's such yeah, a big no, character. I'm just like, I'm at a point now where I'm just like, I'm so invested in Harry and Luna's relationship. I know. That I'm like, actually genuinely really upset that there's not more of it. I you know. know? Like, well, I, I, when not they even go... romantically. No, I just, of course not. I think they have a cool dynamic as yeah. friends and I want her to hang around with them well, more. Well, that's what I like, love like, about really this movie. That's what I love about this movie so much is that Harry has a lot of like really great relationships with female characters. And I think it's yeah. so nice. Like him and Hermione like don't have any, like there's not even like an undertone of romantic interest between them. And I love it. I think right. it's great. And that, oh God, I love Luna so much. I love that line when she's going up to the gate and Harry's like, oh man, sorry. Haha, <laughs> sorry I made you miss the, the, the carriages. Haha, <laughs> we have to walk together now. And she's like, oh, that's fine. It was like having a friend. And Harry goes, oh, Luna, we are friends. And it's just <laughs> yeah, like, it's oh. so good. Luna, I love <laughs> so you. so great. Um, just on the train, there's a couple of things I want to mention. There's this shot that starts with, like, Luna walking through talking about Nargles or whatever bullshit she talks about. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then it goes from there, it pulls out of the window and then comes back in a different window to Harry and Ron and Hermione talking in their little cabin. Yeah. And then it follows them out into the hall again before they cut to the next shot. It's, like, this long, continuous take that's, like, three minutes long of just, like, all these different, like, sections of the train that's so great. Yeah. I mean, um, I also love that shot where Harry's trying to sneak into, like, where Malfoy is sitting on the train. And they also introduce this part of the train that we've never seen before, where it looks like an actual train with just, like, seats on it. And I know right, that's right. not a big deal, but it just weirded me out that there was this part of the train that we've literally never seen before. But anyway. Yeah, I don't know. It fills out the world. I mean, it makes sense, but it was just it was just weird. Anyway. But so he's sneaking in there, and he uses that instant darkness, and he bought it's it. so good. Fred and George's funny fun shop. 
And, like, it's just, like, this out, you're just, like, see, watching the train go by, and then you suddenly see just, like, all the windows just, like, fill with this black smoke really quickly. And all the it's students so are, like, kind of freaked out and, like, kind of laughing, and someone's like, uh uh-huh, I bet it's just the first year. But there's, like, a little bit of, like, tension behind that line right. when she says it, like, oh, shit, Death Eaters, question mark? Like, it's just, <laughs> yeah. it's really good. God, I think that, like shot where you see the darkness powder like explode from the outside of the train is yeah. maybe my favorite shot in the whole movie it's something really about nice. that is so cool to me um <laughs> but yeah i don't know i remember that sequence where harry is like paralyzed with a broken nose on the train yeah um when i was reading the book as a kid that was like my favorite part of the whole book i was like what the fuck like what's gonna happen like yeah. how i was like so anxious and like tense reading that i was like this is the <laughs> craziest shit in the world how's harry gonna um, get out of this one yeah and then like i don't know i feel like in the movie it didn't maybe it was just because i was 13 and for whatever reason that like really resonated with me but yeah. like i don't know for some reason i just feel like it didn't quite live up to the tension of the book i don't know i haven't read the book in years but yeah. <laughs> i just remember that being a much more exciting moment initially yeah i, I remember being really upset about this movie when it came out because it was 2009, so I guess I was 12 or 13. Yeah. Um, and I think I saw it pretty much when it came out. I don't know if I saw it in theaters, but, like, you know, on DVD, like, when it was relevant. Yeah. Um, and I just remember being super pissed because I was 12, and the only metric you can judge movies on when you're 12 is it's, how close like it was book. to the book. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. And it wasn't that much like the book, so I hated it. Yeah. I was like, the Weasley's house doesn't burn down in the book. That sucks. And there's, like, a different battle at the end in the book. Like, fuck this movie. I'm 12-year-old Jackson, and I go to a stupid art school, and, like, this movie's so bad. <laughs> and that was, like, my whole thing. That, we just shit on BSA real quick in there. I, the time I spent at that school was some of the best times of my life, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, the, um... But yeah, I don't know. And like now that I'm looking back on it and watching it for like what I think might be the first time since then, I don't know. It's like this movie fucking rules and I'm really it's into very it. Very good. Like the Harry Potter movies are so good. Why is nobody talking about I this? Know. Well, because I feel like we've all, I think as a society, we are so tired of listening to Harry Potter people talk about Harry Potter. Can I just true, say, true, true. like, Harry Potter has very much been strong in the popular consciousness, especially because, like, the new book has been coming out. And it's, like, it's right. always been very prevalent in the social mindset. But we're just so tired of listening to Harry Potter people talk about <laughs> right. Harry Potter. So because even, it's like... even if you have a good opinion about Harry Potter, the fact that you're talking about Harry Potter, I check out just a little bit. Like, you know? Right. Well, here's the thing. is like, it's a different kind of fandom to something like Star Wars, right? Yeah. Because, like, people who are really into Star Wars, like, regardless what they are, you have, like, opinions about, like, which ones are good and which ones are bad and what you like about this one and what you don't like about this one. Like, you have opinions on it as a as a piece of art, you know, mm-hmm. and you, you can pinpoint what it is you like about one and what you don't like about another, you know, mm-hmm. but I feel like the Harry Potter fandom is different from that because it's just like, it's not based in any sort of like appreciation for the thing itself. It's just this blind, like, this is my life. This is my whole thing, and I'm going to deep dive, and I want to know everything about this world. The whole thing's perfect and great, and I want to, like, absorb every piece of it I possibly can. 
and like it doesn't like criticism of the thing is not at all a part of what they enjoy about it you know mm-hmm. which is like in i don't know it's 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 a b- bittersweet i guess because yeah. when criticism becomes a part of it you get star wars where it's like oh hey the last jedi exists and now the whole thing's bad um but like <laughs> it's just like frustrating in a different way because it's just like can we have oh, a conversation about the thing yeah you don't want to like talk about what you think about it you just want to like know what your hogwarts house is and talk about how much you love the character what are the characters that you stand like okay (laughs) you just want to pick a hogwarts house but you can't commit to one hogwarts house so you have to know your percentages of every hogwarts house (laughs) it's like i don't know it's just like a fundamentally different like headspace does that make sense um i think it's because harry potter sets up a universe so well that it's very easy to put yourself in the universe, like, through, like, Hogwarts right. houses and stuff like that, where it, it really does, like, just attach to people's, like, personalities. Like, I think we all knew totally. someone in high school who was maybe probably in the theater program who, like, <laughs> chose a Hogwarts house and just, said like, had all the memorabilia, memorabilia possible for that Hogwarts right. house. And that was just like that was just like a keystone of their personality was Harry Potter. Yeah. And I think I don't know. It does it in such a weird way that I don't think Star Wars or like Star Trek or stuff like that do. Where like you can have like huge obsessive fans, but it seems to be like I don't know, I feel like it just doesn't get into their everyday life as like progressively right. as Harry Potter does. I don't know, it's weird. Well yeah, like hardcore Star Trek people don't put um what wing of the enterprise they work on in their professional Twitter bio, the yeah. way that people put their Hogwarts house in their, yeah. in their Twitter bio, you know? Yeah. And Are we like... calling out Travis? <laughs> <laughs> oh, what Travis McElroy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know if, if the shoe fits. I mean, yeah, um, it does a little bit. Sorry, Travis. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um, you know what I mean though? It's like, yeah. it becomes, and, you know, that's that's part of the thing that has been sort of part of the, like, fandom discourse lately. It's, like, the difference between a a a person who defines themselves because of a fandom. Like, they describe themselves as mm-hmm. a Harry Potter fan, you know, versus, mm-hmm. like, being a person who's really dedicated to Harry Potter also, yeah. you know? Because um, it's not about, like, the level of how much you enjoy it and how obsessive you are about it. It's just like the particulars of how you engage with it, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't think it's unhealthy to be like really, really obsessed with Marvel or Harry Potter or Star Wars. But if you're like, hi, my name's Jackson. I'm a Star Wars stan. And also I work at this company. (laughs) You know, it's like, that's what it becomes. That's what it becomes. like unhealthy yeah um oh i like this alternate universe you've set up where i'm like a fortune 500 company's ceo yeah. <laughs> describing myself as a star wars stand first and a <laughs> businessman second yeah but, okay but that's just that's just what elon musk is and we've all agreed that we hate elon musk <laughs> wait so... what when, when did elon musk do that no he's his for a really long time he and his girlfriend had matching anime icons on twitter did you miss that <laughs> Did you miss that? I missed that. How? (laughs) Wait, what anime was it? I think it. I it was it was either My Hero Academia or Full Metal Alchemist. I can't. Elon Musk 
anime he and avatar. whatever his girlfriend's name is she's like a rapper i forget what her name is but they both had matching anime icons for a little bit he might still have an anime icon <laughs> hold on hold on hold on edward elric from full metal alchemist yep 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 yep, yep, yep. <laughs> yikes wow uh-huh <laughs> i mean i don't know i still don't think he's identifying himself it's, I mean, I don't know. I feel like Elon Musk just doesn't know how to be a person. Right. And that's I mean, the end honestly, of the <laughs> if you're, if you're like a high profile celebrity like that, it, it, it is a, probably a goof, right? I mean, he just thinks it would be funny to change his like profile that, picture though. to an anime. Yeah, if I guess. If it was anybody else except Elon Musk, I'd be like, haha, but it's Elon Musk. So I'm like, oh, he, <laughs> right. he means this. This is um, him. <laughs> anyway, um. I love the gag where Luna fixes Harry's nose. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, there's crack. not really... Yeah, there's not really a joke to it. It's just like, oh, hey, I can fix your nose. It's like, oh, okay. um, uh, Cool. Dude. I'm kind of nervous about it, though. And then she just does it, and it's fine. But, like, for some reason, it's really funny still. Like, the, like, grotesque sound it makes. And Harry, like, head whipping to the side to be like, crack on, Jesus. Like, <laughs> I mean, there's yeah. something so funny about it. <laughs> well, it's like that's like that would be like an interesting thing with magic where it's like you can you can do a lot of stuff like you can fix a lot of problems but the way that you fix those problems is uncomfortable or maybe painful like that's a really right. fun concept like i could totally fix your nose but it's gonna be weird and you're gonna be uncomfortable but right. instead it's like the just... bone regoing juice yeah in... but, it, but <laughs> instead of Secrets. using that as like a concept of like if something goes wrong we can fix it but sometimes the way that we fix it is maybe worse than the problem like that would be <laughs> right. that would be a really interesting way to go about like using magic to fix problems but instead we just don't use magic to fix problems in the magic well, world you could you could use that as a parallel to horcruxes though yeah like it, he's solving a problem but the means to which he has to go in order to solve the problem are deathly powerful you know <laughs> i don't think that's <laughs> what, what is so funny about that deathly powerful De- they're deathly powerful that's my warrior's um, cat's name <laughs> Um, I don't think that was meant to be a, a, a thematic idea that Harry has to fix his broken nose and it kind of hurts to do that. But I don't know. Maybe it could have been. I would, I would like same. it if it was. I like that. Um, I, I really love, love I, wait, the girl on. who... Oh, okay. I love, love, love that scene... Where it's like the first day of classes and Harry like has a free period. So like him and Ron are just watching all of the first years like fuck up and they're just like laughing. Like <laughs> yeah. it, that scene is just so high school and I love it so much. Like they're just sitting there and they're laughing and then like McGonagall, like seeing McGonagall like actually be a teacher is really funny because right. she instantly reminds me of every English teacher that I've ever had. And where <laughs> right. she's like, what what are you boys doing? And he's like, I had a free period. And she's like, you should take a potions class. He's like, oh, but my AP score wasn't high enough. She's like, no, it's lower now. You got a new teacher. And he's like, great. And he's like, and she's like, bring Ron too. He looks too happy. Like, it's just so good. <laughs> I know. And it's one of those lines that's like, if they didn't have a relationship, a teacher would never say that. Yeah. Like, the fact that she can, like, dunk on Ron like that makes yeah. it clear <laughs> that, like, real quick. they have a friendly rapport, you know? Yeah. I don't know. It's so good. Um, 
I love the girl who plays Lavender Brown in this. Um, <laughs> okay, the Lavender Brown has been in the other movies before, right? And it wasn't this lady, right? No, it was a different one. And yeah. that's the thing that people say is like before she was never a named character in it. She was just like one of the extras. Gotcha. And in the credits, they gave her the the name Lavender Brown because she's a character in the book. Yeah. But she was, you know, just like a miscellaneous extra. They kind of arbitrarily labeled yeah, Lavender gotcha. Brown. Um, but the thing about it is that they were always black girls. Um, but every, every movie was a different person, but whatever. And so then it's like, oh, now that she's the main character, they cast a a white girl in the role and people, you know, you can identify that however you like. However, that's its own can of worms. (laughs) Yeah. You can, you can eat that can of worms all you want. Yeah. I'm saying this girl who plays Lavender Brown free of context, I think is hilarious. (laughs) There's this line in, um, (laughs) I always think about this whenever I see any of these scenes. Um, there's this line in Stanley Kubrick's Eyes Wide Shut mm-hmm. where um, Nicole Kidman is, like, explaining to Tom Cruise that, like, she's a woman and she does have, like, sexual agency, you know? Yeah. And she says, like, there was this one time, like, two years after we got married that I met this ship's captain. <laughs> and <laughs> I, that's not exactly what she says. Yeah. But the idea of it is, like, I met this man and I was, I wanted to fuck him so bad I could barely move. It's like the point of this like speech that she's giving Tom Cruise because it's, it's a Stanley Kubrick movie. It's this whole thing where like Tom Cruise is like weirdly confused that Nicole Kidman has a sex drive outside of him. And she's like, um, dude, I'm a person anyway, but it's like this really powerful. I want to fuck Jack Sparrow. (laughs) If you got a boat, I'm down to clown. (laughs) Right. But it's like this really powerful turn of phrase where Nicole Kidman is like, I wanted to have sex with this guy so bad it was like paralyzing. Like that is mm-hmm. that is not an exclusively male experience, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think about Nicole Kidman giving that speech every time I see Lavender Brown in this movie <laughs> where she's just like <sighs> like every time Ron it's like in her immediate eyesight. Anywhere, it's so funny to yeah. me. God. <laughs> I I absolutely love the potion making scene. It's such a fun scene. In all the movies, we get these really fun like looks at like the wizarding world and like all the stuff right. that we like associate with wizards like being played on in a fun way. Like this like class of them all making potions is like so fun, and the music is so cool, and you get to see like all the things that they're doing and like how some of the students are like fucking it up. Like it's such a cool and right. like dynamic scene. And there, there's another moment of such high school where they've got the two books and one is really shitty and old and one's new <laughs> and Harry and Ron both like start wrestling over the books. Like it's so high school and it's so good. Um, I also, I don't know. And it's just like a smart character decision to have Hermione be like super frustrated that Harry's doing so well. I know. <laughs> and she like kind of feels bad about the fact that she's frustrated, but she is also still very still frustrated. Still frustrated, yeah. <laughs> um... The, the thing that I wrote down after this is, this movie balances horniness and mortal danger really nicely. <laughs> <laughs> That's just what high school in 2019 is, Jackson. <laughs> um, so, and around this time, we get that seed where Dumbledore calls him into his office and is like, oh, hey, check out my pensive. I'm going to show you the first time I met uh, Tom Riddle. But there's that effect where, like, there's, like, ink and water that, like, slowly morphs so into, like, the yeah. scenery around him. It's like, ah, oh, wonderful. Ooh, um and I fucking love young Dumbledore in this movie. I know. Why is he? Like. 
I like his, like, fashion hair and, like, his weird suits. Like, he's such, like, a, he's got, like, just such, like, a fun energy around Yeah, him. I don't know. I can't even describe what's so funny about the way that he looks, but it's so funny. But it's because he's, um, got, he's got, like, this, he's got, like, the long hair, like, down to, like, the, like, to his jawline that's, like, curly and, like, gray. And he's, like, wearing, like, right. this red suit with, like, a fun pattern vest. Yeah, and then he's, he's going like, to go talk to, like every haunted child in any piece of media <laughs> that you've ever seen and then he's going to catch right. a wardrobe on fire and it's kind of kind of be terrifying and you think that tom riddle even though he's six might kill him the whole scene but right. it's just this weird juxtaposition of like dumbledore like looking like really friendly and fun and then being like right. i have a school for people like you and he's like i can talk <laughs> to snakes it's like okay <laughs> Um, I want to talk about the, um, the Quidditch tryout sequence, because I think there's a really interesting sort of tonal shift on Quidditch between this movie and all the other ones, oh, right? dude, the Quidditch in this movie is so good. I love well, the Quidditch in this it's movie. It's great, but, like, what I wanted to say is, like, every other movie in the Harry Potter franchise, the Quidditch matches are played like they're the most important thing in the world. Oh, yeah. It's like, this is serious and has dire emotional stakes for these children yeah this is all these children care about (laughs) yeah but on this one like the score is like really light and bouncy and the whole thing sounds like just seems really fun and it's Mm -hmm. like they're just playing quidditch and having a good time and it's like i don't know i like that we can kind of take a step back on quidditch in this one and just be like everything's changed now and the world like really fucking sucks so like now quidditch is just like this is my good cool fun time yeah now quidditch is just for fun quidditch is for the boys (laughs) this this might just be me not paying attention but when did Ginny get on the team i remember that being a plot point yeah but i also don't remember talking about quidditch in the last movie yeah i mean yeah the last movie didn't have quidditch in it at all yeah that's right that's why we liked it i don't i don't not like the fact that they don't tell us about it because you know it shows up it's like oh hey Ginny's on the team and harry's on the team and he's like the captain i guess and it's like, you know, we haven't talked about Quidditch in a while, but I can infer that, you know. <laughs> I have a brain is... and I can understand what's happening. <laughs> right, that that probably happened somewhere behind the scenes in the last couple of movies. Um, um, <laughs> one of my favorite moments in this whole movie, just comedy-wise, yeah. um, is uh, <laughs> there's that moment where Ginny and Dean Thomas are, are making out at the, at the, what is it, the Three Broomsticks. And Ron's like, yo, we gotta go, because I'm not comfortable <laughs> with this. Can we bounce? Um, <laughs> um, but Hermione's like, no, come on, whatever. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, what if she came in here and saw you making out with me? And Ron's response is just like, okay, I'm just gonna go home and try to decompress <laughs> that, because I don't even know. All of the things that are happening. There's, there's so much loaded in that phrase, and I'm just, I'm just gonna bounce, and you guys have a good time, because I need to think <laughs> things through for a little bit. And then Hermione, like, straight up gets drunk, which is <laughs> yeah. a thing. Um, I... <laughs> but yeah, they, like, they you just... drink a lot you, of alcohol in this movie for being 16. I know. But it's England. There's not a drinking age there. Oh, um, is there not? I thought it was 18 there. I mean, um, I th- think it... Is it a soft I 18? I don't know if it has changed or if it's different in different parts of the UK. That might be But true. I know it's at least a part of, like, certain aspects of English culture that it's, like, as a teenager, you can, you can like, go out and drink and do that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Maybe it's just a Harry Potter thing. Who's to say? Um, because in Hot Fuzz, you have to be 18 to drink when you 
when he takes those kids to jail. Oh, yeah. So, I don't know. Um, regardless, it's like, whatever. I don't know. They're teenagers. They could drink. It's fine. They can't have alcohol <laughs> in Hogwarts, probably. So, it's probably all for the best. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, um... But yeah, I don't know. Hermione says that, like, really loaded thing, and Ron's response is just to, like, be quiet and furrow his brow, <laughs> like, in <laughs> yeah. concentration. It's so funny. Um, and I love that Harry is, like, starting to get a swelled head in this movie a little bit, you know? Yeah. Like, because, you know, there's that famous line where Hermione is like, oh, Harry, she only likes you because you're the chosen one. And he's like, but I am the chosen one. Yeah. But it's like, even outside of that, he just starts to get like really cocky and like, oh, I'm king shit at Turn Mountain right now. Like everything's <laughs> like, I'm all the women, all the ladies want me. Yeah. Um, and it's just like, I don't know. It's cool because so much of this franchise so far has been built around like Harry being like really kind and really humble. And like dying and, himself. Like, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I like that at this point when he turns 16, he just has to be like, I don't know. There's like a real lot of girls that have like big crushes on me, and it's like I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling pretty good about my whole shit right now, to be There's, honest. I can either feel great about myself or go into a fit of depression. So I'm gonna choose right. between the two of these and act like I'm king shit of fuck mountain. Yeah, exactly. King um, bitch of bastard island. Can we change the name of this podcast? King, King bitch, bitch of Bastard, Bastard Island. Island. <laughs> I like that so much better than No Nets Alive. <laughs> it doesn't. It's incoherent. It doesn't mean anything, but and it's, it weirdly it's makes powerful. me think of Jimmy Buffett, and I don't know why. <laughs> it's, it's striking. Um, <laughs> wouldn't you click on that? Anyway, um, I think the the moment where Katie Bell gets cursed is, like, really effective at being just, like, really unsettling. Oh, yeah. Like, that shot where she's got her, like, her mouth wide open and you can oh, see, yeah. like, her entire row of top teeth, like, through her mouth. It's like, yeah. ugh. Like, that. Yeah, this is wrong. Something's not going <laughs> right like in this, this situation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what was I gonna say? I had a thought in my brain and it left. Hold find on. it. I'm finding I'm it. not gonna bail you out. That's great. Oh, I don't remember... Uh, I don't remember if we've gone past this or talked about this. The, like, the, like, how this, like, movie, like, goes chronologically is kind of messed up in my brain for some reason. But I <laughs> right. love... I, I mean, it's a Harry Potter movie. It's just, like, and then this happens. And then, then this and happens, then this and happens. then this happens, and then they do this, yeah. and this happens. But I love... I absolutely <clears throat> adore the thing where Harry pretends to put the liquid luck in Ron's cup. I love <laughs> oh, that. Yeah. And then after that, I think we get maybe the best Quidditch scene in the whole series, where it's, like, snowy, and they're, like, on the ground, like, going through the snow, and Ron keeps pulling these, like, kind of, like, weird moves, because he thinks he has all right. this luck, and it's, like, really interesting and action-packed, and you don't really, like, it's, I like it because the stakes are very clear and very specific, it's not just, we have to win the game because it's Quidditch, it's, like, we right. care about what Ron's doing and how good Ron is doing, so right. we're focusing on one aspect of the game, and we're in, like we're involved in that, and so the game becomes right. so much more interesting. And they're doing all these cool things, where they're like doing like they're doing like strategy that I can like recognize, like where the Slytherin team is like in that formation, and they peel off as like the Gryffindor guys come to like try and get the ball, and they like split off, and the guy like makes the throw. Like I feel like I understand what's happening in this Quidditch game for once right. in my goddamn life. 
Yeah. And I mean, like I said before, it's not played like the most important thing on planet yeah, exactly. Earth right now. It's like just a cool, fun game that like has some emotional stakes attached to it, but it's yeah. still like, you know, it's, it's a game. It's fun. It's yeah. not like the thing I'm supposed to care about right now, you know? Yeah. And I, um, I love the scene between Harry and Hermione where she's crying on the stairs too, because yeah. she has this line that I really, really love. She's like, when you see, when you see Ginny with Dean, what does it feel like? And then she has that like intercation with Ron where she like gets super mad and like throws something at him and then like sits down and cries and Harry goes, it, it feels like that. And it's like, oh, it's, <laughs> it's so good. Right. Yeah, the only thing that I, I kind of have to quibble with at that scene is that it's just, like, presuming they're feeling the same thing and going through the same experience, and Hermione is, like, hysterical and weepy and overly emotional and violent, and Harry's just like, yeah, I know. It's just like, <laughs> It'd be okay, like that fine, sometimes. Whatever. Yeah, it's just like, okay, yeah, because Hermione's the girl, she has to be crying yeah. and hysterical. Well, that's, and that's just J.K. Rowling. Exactly, with her, with yeah. Her ways. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know, it's like simultaneously... Really nice and also kind of a double-edged sword. <laughs> exactly, yeah. It's like, we've talked about this so many times, it's like, she's so good at, like, having like male and female characters just like have valuable friendships without yeah. romantic tension in them but at the same time there's so much other whack gender stuff that you have to be like yeah. okay like come on now yeah um well, it's the, like, um, I, I like i get the hormones and like i don't think i guess i i just want if you're gonna have a character be emotionally unstable because they're a teenager i feel like everybody has to be the same amount of emotionally unstable right <laughs> like you know mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I want and, um, I want Ron and Harry to be kicked up just a little bit, because I feel like Harry's pretty chill throughout this whole movie. Like, there's, like, yeah. tension with, like, him and Ginny, but it's never as bad as in the books, and don't say the thing again, <laughs> I swear to God. Okay, fine. <laughs> um, yeah, don't so many, don't get like... me wrong, in the books, Harry is so horny. He's, like, the yeah. horniest guy in the world. In the movie, he doesn't seem that horny, and I want him to be just a little bit hornier so that Hermione seems less horny by comparison. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess I could go I could go for Harry being, like, 15% hornier. Yeah, just, like, just a little bit more horny. So just so that Hermione looks less horny, you know? <laughs> um, but, I'm doing um... some really weird math in my head. <laughs> About how, exactly how horny Harry should be. Yeah. Um, there's so many great moments in this where it's like, the joke is just that somebody says something really weird and then the <laughs> person they said it to makes a funny face afterwards. This movie is really Like, funny. my favorite one, yeah, one of my favorite ones is, um, like, after they have that dinner with Slughorn and, mm-hmm. like, Ginny doesn't show up until dessert because she's been fighting with Dean is the subtext. Yeah. And, um, I mean, it's not subtext, they tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever. Um, but, like, Ron's like, oh, so how was is, how is your guys' party? And Hermione's like, oh, it was really good. And Harry enjoyed dessert. And Harry just makes this face like, <laughs> like, hey, come on. <laughs> like, yeah. It's just so funny. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, Hermione, you're the only one that knows what's going on about me. You're not allowed to make jokes about it because I'm the only it's, one who's going like, to get them. Yeah. You're just making my blood pressure go up, but I wish that you wouldn't. <laughs> um. I, I, God, I love, I love it in the books because we get a little bit more of it. I love that Harry invites Luna to the Christmas party. I love that it's, it's so great. much. It's so good. It's very great. It's also implied that What's-His-Face is, like, groping Hermione the whole party, but you know. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't think it's, it's... 
I mean, I he's a douchebag. It's an bag, thing. Him, it's yeah. like it's like a, a reality thing, yeah. you know. It's like part of yeah. part of dating as a sixteen-year-old, yeah. you know. Um, no, the, I'm not. Uh, say, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm saying it's not nice the way that Harry and Luna <laughs> oh, is. Right. Um, I am. Um, oh, hold on, just a sec. The next like three things I wrote down were like big picture things I already talked about, so I gotta find my place here. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I, okay, Harry does this thing twice, and I think it's hilarious both times. There's a time where he's talking to Mr. McGropey or whatever his name is, and right. they're like behind the ball, and he's like, "Oh, what is this that I'm eating?" And he goes, "Dragon Balls," which is <laughs> really, really stupid. Funny. But then he throws <laughs> up, and he throws up directly onto Snape's feet, which is also <laughs> very funny. And Snape just straight up gives him detention for it, which is like. <laughs> Not a thing, but anyway. Like... But that whole scene, Harry is like in the background and he's just like fiddling with the curtain and going like, oh, oh what is this? And he like slips through it and it's hilarious. <laughs> it's really good. God, this movie's so funny. It's so funny. Um... And then later when they're on the train to go to Ron's house for Christmas and Lavender does that whole thing on the window and Harry's just like sitting on the chair and he like opens the cup holder and like looks in it and like puts the cup holder back like it's so it's really funny good. oh my god and it's like it's so long it's like a solid 60 it's seconds of Lavender really just being like <sighs> and then like drawing on the window and being like <sighs> and they keep and like cutting back to Ron and Harry <laughs> like just looking at her silently <laughs> He's got like this blank expression, like he's literally just watching her do it, and it's <laughs> a very good. Um, so, so yeah, the 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 burning of the burrow yeah. was like my biggest point of contention as a twelve year old, because I don't think that happens at all in the book. It's like not even a thing. Yeah. Um. Uh. I and think- I. Uh, I really like it in this movie. I, I really TBH. like it also. I think that it is foreshadowing that Hogwarts is gonna no longer be safe, just as the borough right. is no longer is safe. no longer safe. Yeah. Um, I really, I don't know. I just really like it. Like it's, yeah. you know, it's this safe place, and all of a sudden it's been compromised. Just yeah. like, I mean, like you said, like and Hogwarts was. And on ways. Christmas. And on and proms tomorrow. And proms tomorrow. <laughs> um, that's my favorite joke. I don't know if that's necessarily a meme in its own right, but I've seen it on the internet a couple of times, and yeah. I think it's so funny. And I say it um, daily. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> but like I don't know, and like I I love Fenra Greyback in this movie because he's just the slimiest, greasiest yeah. pedophile you can imagine. Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean the, the worst, most horrible man you could possibly picture okay, is so this horrible me. werewolf guy. Yeah, he's a werewolf, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, why does he look like a wolf all the time? Because that was a whole thing, right? It's like he is. I remember it being a thing. I just can't remember the specifics of what right the thing because. Was. Normally, like, werewolves are, like, regular dudes until they become a werewolf, but he's been, like, magically experimenting on himself to, well, like, it, make it, himself it a more like wolf-like. Like, he was, like, three-quarters werewolf or something like that. No, I think it was just, like... He had done it like, to himself. Yeah, it was, like, the fly. He was, like, I'm so into violence and murder. And being I'm, a like, werewolf. I'm, like, I'm super down with the werewolf side of me. I want to, like, experiment on myself and try to bring the werewolf part as far forward in my in my life as possible. I'm gonna have a weird little like doggy forehead and have weird So yeah, he's got like a weird nose and like awkward muscles that don't quite look like human muscles. It's like just lightly deformed. It's wild. He's so cool. 
Um, he's my hero. <laughs> he's he's my favorite. He's honestly, I think, probably my role model, and I would I would probably kiss him if given the chance. <laughs> oh, dreamboat. Um, <laughs> um, I really like um, and I don't know, just that wide shot of like the whole field where they're like running through it towards the house, and they just look at it. the house burning. Well, I love because there's so before good. they attack, there's all these shots of the camera like looking at the burrow and looking at Harry and like looking at everybody like through the like grass, and it's very right. good. Um, the, um, I think my favorite sequence in this movie is the bit where Ron gets given the love potion that was meant for Harry. Oh, it's Because it flows so smoothly and there's, like, so many beats in it, you know? Like, it starts with, like, oh, Ron has this love potion. And, um, or no, I I would even say it starts earlier than that. It's, like... Oh, Harry wants to get into Slughorn's office, but he's like, no, not right now. I'm doing stuff. Go fuck off. Um, So he's like, okay, I guess I can't get in right now. Then he goes back to his dormitory and Ron has been given this love potion. He's like, okay, Ron's not okay. Um, (laughs) Oh, maybe, maybe I can be tricky and I can, I can bring Ron to Slughorn and then it'll let me in and I can kind of use that as an end to kind of get a conversation And we've also already established that that girl was trying to sneak Harry Potter a love potion. So it's just like all these things like coming together like perfectly in like a really satisfying way. And then after that, he gets in and he like starts to build that like extra rapport with Slughorn and Mm -hmm. then like Ron drinks the poisoned drink yeah. And then it's like, oh shit, like, somebody's trying to poison Dumbledore, and also Ron's on the floor with the foam coming out of his mouth. Ron's having <laughs> a really rough day. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> like, Ron. And then there's the bit where he has to find the poison, and Slughorn isn't even necessarily sure what to do. And it, well, like, and it's Slughorn's just, like, it goes panicking. so many different places. Yeah, it's Yeah, so like, Slughorn's, like, panicking. It's great. It's, like, this wonderful scene that establishes and, um, what's the, word, what's the phrase get... I'm looking for? It accomplishes so many different jobs as a scene all yeah. in one. One of the things that I love, I always listen to, like, the commentaries on the Marvel movies whenever they come out. Just that's, yeah. like, I don't know, a weird tradition of mine. But that's one of the things that the the big Marvel screenwriters, uh, Chris Marcus and Stephen McFeely, talk about. Is, like, when you've got a movie like Infinity War or, like, Civil War or Endgame, it's, like, you've got a million things going on. Yeah. And it's, like, no scene can only accomplish one thing, right? Oh, yeah. Like, every scene you write has to do at least, like, three different things to, like, move the plot forward and develop character, you know? Mm-hmm. A scene has to be multifaceted. And I think this is, like, one of the most multifaceted and most, like, efficient and powerful... Not, like, powerful, like, emotionally effective, but, like, powerful just in terms of the amount of work that it does. Yeah. Like, scenes in the movie. I think it's great. Mm-hmm. And then um, two and things. Then, oh, we skipped we skipped the part of Christmas where Harry first of all, Harry is talking to Lupin and he accuses Dra- Draco of being a Death Eater and they're like, You are blinded right. by your hate, which is a very good scene because yeah, no, Harry's totally. right, but also at the same time Draco is like in a tough situation. Anyway. Yeah, but he also doesn't even necessarily know for sure it's I think important. Yeah. Like uh-huh. he even though he's right, he's still pretty much accusing somebody of something really serious, and he's not really 100% Based sure about anything. it. Yeah. Yeah. But then, so everybody leaves, and there's the most awkward scene in the world where Ginny walks up with a whole plate of cookies and holds one out, <laughs> and she goes, open up, you. Don't you trust me? 
And then she feeds him a cookie and maybe what is maybe the worst shot in the whole movie. But then they're sitting together and haha funny, Ron comes in to sit in between them. But he's also just carrying a whole plate of cookies. So right. <laughs> everyone's just walking around with their own discreet huge plate of cookies. I feel like I don't like the whole like plot thread of like Ron being like super against Ginny like dating. I feel like it's the whole like oh don't don't touch my daughter or I'll kill you with a shotgun I'm dad like thing. <laughs> yeah. like, I'm the dad character. But it's like I don't know. It's just another like J.K. Rowling like antiquated sex politics thing where it's yeah. like I don't know. I would like this a lot better if Ron was like okay with his sister having a life and yeah. Well, you know, like, like romantic and sexual agency, you know? Well, it's like, I get it with, like, Dean. Because it's like, he he's friends with Dean. We know Dean. Right. But we're not best friends with Dean. And, like, them, like, making out at the, at the coffee shop is, like, him being like, hey, bye, I want to leave. Like, I feel like that's right. better. He doesn't, like, go up to the table. He's like, hey, that's my sister. Like, he doesn't do right. that. Like, he's just, like, kind of, like, awkward about it. Like, I'm fine yeah. with that. But Yeah, I mean, when it's, when there's it's a difference Harry, between... Oh, go ahead. But when it's Harry and it's like your best friend and it's like your best friend isn't making out with your sister, he wants he's in love <laughs> right. with your sister. I feel like that would be like, oh, tell tell yeah, Harry, the guy who I love, like go do it. I love you, bro. Well, yeah, and yeah, it's I mean, like I said, it's just like protective masculine, just being like, oh, hands off my sister, you. It's like yes. why, why, why? Just because it makes you uncomfortable to think about your sister having. I don't know, romantic feelings or sex with somebody, you know? And, like, there's a difference between, like, oh, I'm hanging out and my sister's, like, making out with somebody and it's, like, I don't want to watch, yeah, obviously. Yeah, I don't, don't want to... I'm not, like, viewing this. <laughs> right. But there's a difference between that and being, like, oh, no, get away. Nobody can touch my sister. She's... I don't know, the precious little girl and nobody can touch her. It's like, Even though I've, like, off. talked shit about her for, like, four whole yeah. movies. It's just like, I don't know, it's just like one of those, like, I don't know, it's just one of those things that always bothers me. I hate when people yeah. are like, oh, my younger family member, oh, hands off her, I can't, She she's not ready for this yet, like, whatever, it's like, yeah. fuck off. Um, and I also love after, um, another super great thing that J.K. Rowling I really like um, <laughs> is when Ron's in the hospital bed and Hermione and Lavender, like, getting this huge fight over him. That and it's just scene? like, oh, Cool women fighting over boys they like. That's really yeah. great and fun. Love that. Well, but what um, I don't like about it is that Ron doesn't even have, like, any agency in that scene. Like, if it was, like, it's just, like, oh, Ron truly loves Hermione because he said her name when he was unconscious. It's like, well, right. I would have liked that if they, like, had a real conversation and he was like, Lavender, I don't really love you. We've just been fooling around. And, like, Hermione, mm -hmm. I actually have feelings for you. Like, I want... I want Ron to, like, actually have any agency in who he's dating, mm -hmm. you know? I feel like that's, yeah, no, totally. that should be a thing. And yeah, but it's we just, do I don't get know. it's one of those scene, things. Which is maybe the best thing of all time, is Snape and Dumbledore just kind of standing there. While these <laughs> yeah, that's, two that's teenage really good. girls that's yell really, at each really other. Good. And it's really good. <laughs> Apparently, the original line that uh, Michael Gambon was supposed to say in that was just like, oh, I had a crush on a young girl in high school once, and it went exactly like that. But then J.K. Rowling was like, hey, Dumbledore's gay. And David Yates was like, oh, oh say something different. <laughs> I, I just <laughs> think different. that's funny. Um, but, um, hey, speaking of that, uh, do you know what time it is? Uh, what time is it? 
It's uh, it's trivia time. Hey Yay. guys, welcome back to trivia time, my brand new segment for this podcast, where I go through the IMDb. Uh, why is my theme song the John Cena theme song? Hey I guys, was trying to go for, for like the family feud, like burr, 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 oh. burr, but it just it was just the John Cena theme. It's time for trivia time. <laughs> burr, 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 burr. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll edit that in later. I don't know okay. if that's gonna get me in copyright trouble. Um, <laughs> anyway, hey Adeline, yeah. did you know did that I know. the Harry Potter series and young Sherlock Holmes share many similarities, e.g., uh. head boys? Hold on. Put the phone down. <laughs> Head boys are a thing at English schools. That's like saying that fucking high school musical and fucking uh and fucking a dead poet society are the same because they both have principles. It's right. like uh, yeah. <laughs> hey um hey Adeline, did you know um that when the trio sit down at the three broomsticks Hermione orders three broomsticks, excuse me, orders three, <laughs> sorry, let me start that over because I was about to say broomsticks instead of butterbeers. <laughs> okay. okay, you know what, never mind, I'm going to move on from that one because it'll never be as funny as what, I, what just happened. Okay, um, cool. their words is the funniest shit in the world to me so we were playing Dungeons and Dragons because that's all that I do but we were talking about and he was trying to say like they they are like oh what's the phrase who's like saying like they're the best of the best they're like the the cream of the crop they're the best but he goes they're the cream of the wheat (laughs) okay okay that's maybe the funniest thing I've ever heard okay okay did you know that advanced ticket sales on Fandango.com for the film surpassed advanced ticket sales for Transformers Revenge of the Fallen. I, yeah, I sure hope so. Just a, just a different movie from like two years ago. Yeah, it did better like, than that movie. It did better than that, than that movie <laughs> that nobody saw and no one likes. Um, did you know that this is the first film since Sorcerer's Stone to feature a full game of Quidditch? It doesn't. Yeah, see, what I like about that one is that it's just not true, because there was also a full game of Quidditch in Chamber of Secrets. Yeah. So, like, who's betting also, these? this wasn't a full game of Quidditch. Yeah, it's just, um, yeah, no, that one's just wrong. Um, okay. <laughs> You're wrong, IMDb. Uh, and, okay, so I'll read that last one. Did you know that when the trio sits down at the three broomsticks, Hermione orders three butter beers, quote, and put a little ginger in mine, unquote? Yeah, she does say that. She does. Yeah, she does Is do that, that in the film. That's the whole fact. That That's she the whole says fact. That? They just said something that happens in the film. They just oh, wow. said a line from the film. Okay. Um, is there like is there like an author to these, or are these like submitted by people? They're just like submitted. It's just it's all crowdsourced. Oh God! Why is everyone an idiot? <laughs> the way that it works is that you can say like, "Oh, I did. I found this interesting." So there's like an upvote downvote kind of system. Yeah. Um. But you can always find some great ones near the bottom that are like, 
one person found this interesting and eight people found this uninteresting. And it's like, those are the only people who've ever looked at it. Yep. <clears throat> okay, here's, here's, here's my final. Here's the final trivia time. Yep. Did you know that Chris Columbus, the director of the first two Harry Potter films, was amazed how beautifully Daniel Radcliffe, Emma Watson, and Rupert Grint matured over the series, compared to some child actors who start out adorable and then oh. either lose that or oh, become no. bad actors as they oh, grow older. Oh my god. Why, why did you... Why, <laughs> why couldn't you just stop after the nice thing? Why did you... <laughs> I have a feeling that this author was editorializing a little bit. Yes. <laughs> I think... Unlike some child actors, I'm looking at yeah. you, the Olsen twins. Like it's, it's just really good. It's just he said like it's like oh Chris Columbus like got to see these kids grow up and he was really happy with how they developed. It's like oh that's yeah. sweet. Unlike some shithead asshole kids, it's like oh god, jeez. Okay. Anyway, these this has children. been trivia time. This has been trivia time. Okay. Um. I think the John Cena theme song and the Family Feud theme song are just very similar, actually. It's totally different. The Family Feud theme song is totally different. It's got, like, when, like, the horns, like, really kick in. It's, like, similar. I don't... I can't think of it beyond just the initial, like... Whatever. No, just you. Not in the podcast. Just you. Okay. I just want to say that that sect of Zephyr spell... Is the scariest shit in the world. Oh, like, yeah. We've already talked about how scary fucked up that Snake came up with that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, oh, you know he was gonna use it on James. You oh, know. yeah, for sure. Isn't there something in the book where he does? Mm, Isn't no. that a thing? I don't think so. You know what Snape is? Snape is like the... <laughs> Snape is like the quiet kid in your middle school who turns out to be a school shooter. <laughs> I literally, literally, literally. Yeah, yeah. That's like absolutely what Snape is. Like he's just like in the corner writing. He's like designing spells on how yeah. to mutilate his classmates in the corner. That were it's like, mean uh, to him. Yeah. This is yeah. This is actually genuinely really concerning. Severus yeah. Snape, no, my yeah. friend. Okay. Let me. I love. I think Snape is an incredibly interesting character, and I think he's very well done. I hate this like new wave of like Snape stands. I hate that. <laughs> But, like, we I know. think the character is really good and really interesting, but if you want to just make him your uwu baby, then something has gone wrong, because he's Adeline. objectively a bad person. I want. I just want you to know that you said, like, that exact same sequence of words in our Sorcerer's Stone episode. Uh, probably. I've, I have a lot of feelings and about I this. Just, I just want to make sure. I want yes. you to swear to me that uh. he will not say the phrase Snape is not your uwu baby anymore on this podcast. <laughs> like, it's fine okay. that you did. I only Just don't do it, it anymore. I only repeat it because it is a thing that I have seen with my own two <laughs> eyes several times because of Tumblr. I only repeat it because someone else put it in my head because they actually said it. <laughs> I am a victim of the terrible world around me. <laughs> I love I love when Harry and Ginny go into the uh, room of requirement and Ginny's just like, close your eyes. <laughs> Give me the book that's right next to your crotch. It's just like, and I can't, I can't quite tell if like their chemistry in this movie is actually weird and awkward, or if it's like designed to be because they're sixteen-year-old dorks. Yeah, like I can't decide which direction to lean on this. <laughs> it could be both. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Um, because 
I don't know. Um, and then afterwards, when Ron like walks right up to her, and is just like, "Oh, hey, Harry, did you and Ginny do it?" Yeah. And Harry's like, "Um, what? <laughs> Behind the book, I mean. Oh, yes. It's <laughs> great. Um, uh, I, I love the scene where." Harry casts for Terry Malfoy again in that fight because like mm-hmm. we and you see like you can just like see how much stress Malfoy is under and I love yeah. that shot where Harry is like following Malfoy through Malfoy through the hallways mm-hmm. and you see that shot of like the bird cages that before have been full of birds and now there are no birds showing right. that Malfoy Malfoy has killed them all trying to make the <laughs> the thing work like that's right. so good. Yeah, no, it's fucking great. And you can and just, like, like, see all the stress that's on him as he takes off his shirt and gets all wet. <laughs> God, he's my uwu baby. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just gonna come out and say it. Malfoy's my uwu baby. <laughs> you can get it in this movie. <laughs> I'm glad you liked that. Fuck. Um, <laughs> okay, Adeline. Yeah. I need you to tell me a secret. Okay. Tell have me you a secret? Have you ever, ever actively engaged with thirsty Harry Potter content online? What do you mean by engaged? You mean have I like? Did you either A, seek it out, B, like, comment or, like, reblog any of it? See, the my internet presence on the internet is that I am just a silent watcher in the wings. I'm like the <laughs> okay. Phantom of the Opera of Tumblr. I just kind of hang out. I forget what happens to the Phantom of the Opera, so this might be a bad metaphor. <laughs> But I just kind of, like, hang out on the sidelines, and every once in a while I make a chandelier fall on somebody. Does that happen to the Phantom of the Opera? I don't know, Adeline. Don't I ask me. I watched the Phantom of the Opera, and I don't remember what happens in that movie. I play. just know that I did a scene from it once in high school, and uh-huh. I was playing Raoul, which is yes. a name, Raoul, yeah, and everybody kept Raul. trying to tell me it was Raoul, which no. is not a pronounceable string of letters it's it's nonsense and raul is a name that exists everyone was like jackson like like i was stupid they were like jackson have you been living under a rock it's raul it's raul it's raul no i was saying it was raul because that's what it is they were all like jackson it's raul (laughs) i was like bullshit that's not a coherent string of sounds those like that collection of letters that you're creating in your brain is physically unpronounceable. <laughs> Raoul is not a thing. It's Raoul. Anyway. anyway, what were we talking about? Oh, you were giving me a really, really defensive and roundabout answer no, about thirsty I'll, Harry I'll, Potter content. All Harry Potter stand information that I've gotten, I've gotten against my will. I assure you. <laughs> okay. Um, the um, the whole Felix Felicis bit is great um it's so good. Where, like, i love that he drinks so much. it and he's like suddenly all like peppy and upbeat he's just I like know. and oh i'm gonna go and he like walks out the door and, like passes somebody he's just like hi i know i love so that so much it's so funny um i have an, an interesting relationship with the scene that follows though where they meet 
Hagrid, and they have that little, like, goofy funeral for Aragog, right? Yeah. Because on the one hand, you do... I mean, first of all, something that's really interesting, I think, is that this series is set up in such a way that, like, we could just kind of check in with characters every once in a while. Mm -hmm. Like, Hagrid's not important to this whole story, and functionally, he doesn't do anything in this story. I mean, Neville, too. Like, Neville's just, like, a waiter at the Christmas party, and it's, like, funny. (laughs) And then we're like, bye, Neville. You'll be really important tomorrow, but not right now. (laughs) But it's like, you know, it doesn't feel like, oh, they just showed up and left. Like, what the fuck's up with that? It's like, no, it's like, we're just checking in. It's just like, here's Hagrid. Here's what he's up to right now. Like, we're just gonna show him to you, let him do his thing for a second, and then we'll move on, because, you know, we want to show him to you, but it's not, like, important right now, you know? Um... But, I don't know, I just, totally, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to feel in that scene, That's right? That's true. Because, because it's I'm like... sad for Hagrid. This yeah, is Hagrid is, like, one of the most deeply sympathetic characters in the series, right? Yeah. And he's, like, mourning, and, like, part of that sympathy is all based around, like, the fact that he's so passionate about, like, these creatures he loves, and nobody else really understands... Like, the relationship that he has with them, you know? Mm -hmm. Prisoner of Azkaban was built almost entirely around his relationship with an animal that he cared really passionately about. And everyone was, like, trying their hardest to save that animal for Hagrid's sake, you know? Mm -hmm. And then cut to three books later where it's just like, oh, one of Hagrid's animal friends died. (laughs) Like, Uh we're going to make some jokes about it and it's kind of silly. (laughs) It's like, why are you friends with the spider, dog? (laughs) Like Dude, spiders, spiders are, are ugly. They're the big, ugly, scary ones. They're not for friends. They're for <laughs> smush, Hagrid. And it's just like, okay, but like, uh, that, I feel like I want this to be a little bit sad. However, yeah. functionally, it doesn't really make sense for it to be sad because we've got to like loosen up Slughorn in order to get him to tell Harry about the the Horcrux, right? Yeah. And the gag where Harry makes that weird mandible pincer noise. <laughs> Just seems like, really insensitive. It's like so out of character for Harry. <laughs> but it's like because he's on this weird Felix potion that he's just like really, really high strung and goofy right yeah. now. And it's like, it's funny. It really is. But It's, it's just very like, funny. I don't know. What are we doing here? You know? Come on, Harry. <laughs> I love, I love that speech that Harry gives. And I love the thing with like Lily and like the fish and all that stuff. I think that's a beautiful story. But I love that line where Harry's like, be brave like my mother. Like, I don't know. I just really love that, yeah. like, sentiment. Uh, like, Because really I feel like we've talked about Lily in this really kind of, like, soft, fluffy way. It's like, oh, she loved her baby so much that that love saved her. Like, it's all been, like, really <laughs> right. kind of, like, one-dimensional. But to have this, like, where, like, Lily was smart and she was the top of her class and she was brave. Like, be brave like Lily. Like, is so good. And I love that so much more than just... I don't know, than just having her whole thing be the fact that she was a loving mother, you know? Because I think that's right, really yeah. important, and I think that's really good. But I also, I I really like when we get stuff about younger Lily, because I really like uh, having her be a three-dimensional person. Yeah, totally. Um, here, Here's a big question I have about this movie. Uh-huh. If Dumbledore doesn't really know that Voldemort having horcruxes is a thing... Why is he hunting them? <laughs> Yeah, why does he have a ring and has really explicitly destroyed it, quote-unquote? But it's yeah. not destroyed, it's still there. So what does he mean by destroyed if he doesn't know that it's a Horcrux, right? Yeah. Like, if he knew it was a Horcrux, it would be like, oh, I I ruined the Horcrux part of it. That's what I was trying yeah. to do. Well, and he's but also, like, 
when Harry's like, is that why you've been going away all the time to find these horcruxes? And it's like, and he's like, yes. But it's like, but you haven't known that they were horcruxes. <laughs> right. Do you? Or what are you doing? And it's like, I don't know. Maybe he knows that like important artifacts to Maybe Voldemort he's just like, are... yeah, he's just like getting like important Voldemort TM things. And like, just like, because I think he, he kind of thinks he's like, I think maybe. Yeah. These are horcruxes, and, so I'm just going to, And it's gonna, kind like, of implied that maybe it could be something else. Yeah. Like, maybe there like, are other kinds go... of magic we know about that could behave kind of like a horcrux, but aren't explicitly a horcrux, you know? I've got my grocery list of things that were important to Voldemort, and I'm just going to go <laughs> get all of them. Right. And maybe maybe some of them will be magical, and so maybe some of them won't be. It'll be fine. Yeah. Um, I love that I scene. Also... I don't love it. I think it's funny. When, uh, when Harry comes up to Dumbledore and they're gonna go to the Cave of Wonders and Severus is there and Severus is like, dude, have you ever thought about my feelings about the situation? And we know because we've read all the books that they're talking about Severus killing Dumbledore. Right. And he's like, and and Dumbledore's like, well, you already said you were gonna do it, so bye. And it's <laughs> so like, fuck off, yeah. It's like, just be a bro and murder me, Severus, God. <laughs> Don't be a pussy about Don't it, Severus. Don't be a pussy about it, Severus. God, you said you would do it. You're going to back out on me now, man? God. We played What Are the Odds, and we both said four. You have yeah, to do it. the fuck up. You already used your pass. You yeah. can't back out on this you one. You owe me a solid. I threw out that thing for you that you wanted me to throw away when you broke your leg, so now you got to do this for me. Come on. <laughs> this has been my impression of Dumbledore. Thank you. Good yeah, day. it's a good one. Um, I just want to say that, like the the sequence where they they go in and Voldemort or not Voldemort, fuck Dumbledore, <laughs> has to start drinking the potion is like it's really upsetting. Oh, it's extremely upsetting. It's I, I almost the scariest wish... Horcrux. Like none of the other Horcruxes yeah. are really that scary, except for when Harry and Hermione make out. Am I right? But, like, none of them are as, like, okay. scary and disturbing as, like, when, like, Dumbledore is like, hey, Harry, please kill me so that I yeah. do not have to keep drinking this potion. Like, it's deeply right. uncomfortable. Yeah, and I almost wish it went on for a little bit longer, you know? I feel yeah. like, and I feel like that might have been a restriction of, like, the rating system, you know? Probably, like, they, yeah. they have this, like, really intense and really, like, deeply upsetting sequence. Mm -hmm. And they were like, you can do it, but, like, just, you know, get it over with, <laughs> you yeah. know? I feel like if I wanted it to have its full effect, I would have, like, not in real time, but, like, let it let it play out. Like, I want to, yeah. like, be able to see, like, his, like, escalation between mm -hmm. drinks of potion, you know? And like, I mean, at that what whole point... scene, the cutting is, like, really quick. Like, they're jumping from shot to shot to shot. The whole thing is in black and white. Like, it's just, like, they're yeah. doing everything they can do to make you uncomfortable. And it's just yeah. it's a really effective scene. And then yeah, this Dumbledore, is the point where I wrote down, or go ahead. And then Dumbledore, like, does that coolest magic thing we've seen in the whole series, where he gets that <laughs> huge, like, tornado of fire and parts yeah. the lake like he's freaking Moses, and it's awesome. Yeah. And we don't and talk about it. <laughs> this was this was the part where I wrote down in my notes, the color grading in this movie is fucking out of control. Yeah, they, like, they, they do some things. <laughs> they need to rein it back a little bit, I think. Um, well, because the whole scene the is things... black and white, and then there's, like, the red fire, and the red fire is red, and everything else is, like, still black and white. Like, it's yeah. they, they make some choices. Yeah. But, like, and the, the inferi in the lake, I think... Uh, it's scary. I, I always... I only read it because I... And I always thought in my head, inferi. But I guess it should be... Because the singular is inferious. 
Yeah. And multiple, more than one Inferius is Inferi. So I don't think Inferi would make sense in any linguistic sense, but okay. whatever. The Inferi are, yes. um, are also really upsetting. And like, oh, yeah. they really and truly in this, I think PG-13 rated movie, if not PG, I can't remember. Um, like truly look like nude bloated corpses. misshapen corpses yeah there's this there's a shot where you can see like the genital hair on one of them Gross. it's like what the fuck like this is way too real like what's going yeah. on here like they I'm like really and truly look like drowned bodies it's whack yeah um and no other horcrux is this scary this is so <laughs> fucking scary right and I love, because, you know, like, Dumbledore has had, like, what is most likely the most intense and most harrowing experience of his whole life yeah. in the, these last few moments, besides maybe having to fight his beloved Grindelwald. Yeah. Um, but then, like, they come back to the tower, and he's, like, kind of out of breath still, and then Malfoy shows up, and Dumbledore just starts talking to Malfoy like he talks to any other character the entire rest of the series. It's so um, good. And it's just, like, it suddenly paints, like, every other interaction that Harry has had with Dumbledore in a completely different light, right? Mm -hmm. He's, like, completely inscrutable. You're like, what could, like, I have no idea what Dumbledore could have been going through all these other times. Yeah. We think he's, like, pretty regular and okay the whole time because he acts that way. But I just saw him get, like, broken into a million pieces in front of me. Yeah. And, like, a second later, he's talking to somebody else exactly the same way that i've always seen him talk to me and it's mm-hmm. like what 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 else was he like emotionally like hiding from me all these other times that we interacted you know mm-hmm. like has this ever happened before where dumbledore has come from like something really hardcore and immediately had a conversation with me about fucking jelly beans or whatever yeah you know? and, then, and then just dropped so much exposition on me that i like, can't <laughs> even Right. It's, I don't know, I think it's so powerful. And it's it it's is. so crazy that, like, and you get a revelation like that, like, moments before Dumbledore just dies, you know? Mm-hmm. And you're never really going to get an answer to it. Mm-hmm. It's, I, the one thing that I think kind of fell flat in this movie, that I don't remember if it did or didn't in the books, where that reveal that Severus is the Half-Blood Prince... Didn't Yeah, that kind of sucks. In this it didn't movie. feel like it mattered at all. It's like I was the half blood prince. It's like right. fucking whatever, dude. You just killed <laughs> yeah. Dumbledore. Like nobody gives <laughs> right, a shit. Yeah, and I, it's like I nobody like, was even asking when he says yeah. it. You know, well, I like. It's not I like, really like. I really like the moment where Harry uses that spell on Snape because he knows what it does and he is genuinely trying to hurt yeah. Snape. I really no, like totally. that. And it's I also hardcore. like the moment where Snape kind of turns around and he's like, how dare you use my own spell against me? I really like yeah. that. But then he immediately ruins it by going, I am the half <laughs> I know, I know. I hate it. I it's wish it was stupid. like an extended, co- like not extended, but like more yeah. of a conversation from there. And, like, if I were writing it, I would have him say, like, how fucking dare you? And, yeah. like, Harry and the audience understand, like, oh, he wrote that down in that book. And, yeah, like, he's, like, he's like, like, we get it from him saying that. Um, yeah. And then I would have Harry, like, just fucking explode at him, you know? Yeah. And be like, fuck you, dude. Like, <laughs> just... <laughs> just like that. <laughs> Uh, that is an inflection from a Drew Gooden video. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Where somebody, I don't know, he's he's reacting to something and he just goes, fuck you, dude. 
and that I that is just in my brain forever. Anyway, okay. um, but like I don't know. I want Harry to just like explode on Snape. I want them yeah. to like get in a big real ass fight. You know? Yeah. And then I it's kind just of like, like that scene where like if from uh freaking uh the one fourth one. Goblet of Fire. Goblet of Fire. Where Voldemort and Harry are fighting, but they're having this weird kind of, like, circling conversation, like, as they fight. Because, like, Voldemort is so powerful that he basically doesn't even have to try to fight Harry while Harry is, like, using all of himself to, like, stay afoot. And Voldemort's just, like, talking. Like, I want that, but with Snape and Harry. Because, like, we... We've established Snape as, like, a scary dude, but I want to establish Snape as, like, a powerful scary dude, you know? Like, I want that same scene where they're just, like, kind of, like, where Harry is, like, screaming at him, but he's taking up so much effort to scream at him that he's not able to fight as well, while Snape is, like, 100% on his game and able to fight Harry. Like, I want, I just want the drama, please. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I want somebody to yell at my uwu baby. I hate but, you. But yeah, no. I mean, I would argue that um this is this is like I think the complete emotional bottoming out of Harry in this whole series, right? Oh, when yeah. Dumbledore dies. You could make an argument maybe that when Dumbledore comes back might be worse for him. But regardless, I think I think that Dumbledore dying and Snape having been the person who did it at a mm-hmm. time when Harry is finally starting to trust Snape, mm-hmm. it should be like absolute just i want harry to fucking explode in that moment yeah and i just i just don't buy that harry is necessarily i mean i get that he's sad and he's very upset but it's like i don't quite grasp the magnitude of what just happened the way that this movie particularly plays Mm -hmm. it you know um i wanted i i just want that drama you know I i want the drama um so, what do you think? Do you like this or Order of the Phoenix better? I think... I think I like the Order of the Phoenix a little bit better. I think Order I do, Phoenix too. Order of the Phoenix has always been my favorite book. And I really like... I feel like we get a lot of the same things in both the movies. We get a lot of more just, like, teen hangout and, like, school stuff. And I think that's really good. But we also get a lot more plot stuff, which is really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I mean, Order of the Phoenix is also just so much shorter than this movie. Like, this is a long movie. Yeah, it's real long. And it doesn't feel like it, but just the fact that they can accomplish basically the same amount of stuff in a shorter amount of time, I think maybe makes right. it a little bit better in my eyes. Yeah. And, like, yeah, I don't know. And I, I also really like that we get more of, like, the whole, like, gang of, like, Neville and Luna in Order of the Phoenix. Yeah. And we get we get more of, like, the whole community of Hogwarts, which is going to be important in the 6th and 7th. And then in this one, we kind of just focus on the main three, which is fine because we do a lot of character development. But, like, I don't right. know. I feel like we lose we lose a little bit of the big picture to focus on the little picture, you know? Yeah. And, yeah, it's interesting because, like, I think this movie and uh, Order of the Phoenix are sort of, like, antitheses of each other, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Order of the Phoenix is, like, a really tight screenplay. It's, like, mm-hmm. everything that's happening is, like, either to set up or to pay off something that you will see or have already seen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, like, it's very much based in this, like, traditional screenplay format where it's, like, everything's important and we're only showing you the things that we need to show you. And it's, like, mm-hmm. everything's just going to click together really nicely at the end in a really satisfying way. Um, and it's very much based in, like, moving everything forward. It's, like, grand-scale plot 
motivation, you know, mm-hmm. Voldemort and Dumbledore get in a big fight. It's like the whole like world of everything we're seeing is like engaged in this, you know, mm-hmm. um, but this is like the opposite, right? It's like not a particularly tight screenplay. It's really fucking loose, actually. Oh, it's yeah. like just this weird hangout movie where like, you know, there's not necessarily a lot of like momentum and drive to a lot of the things that we're doing. But it's still really engaging because you're already really invested in these characters and every little piece of the world and every little piece of history that you're given, you're really interested it in and mm-hmm. it uh, really interested it in. Yeah. And I was, yeah, I was really into that thing I was saying and I'm mad at myself, but I just stumbled over my words, but it's fine. Um, <laughs> and like the... Uh, yeah, and, you know, it's all, like, smaller scale. Like, on a grand mm-hmm. scheme in, like, the story of Harry Potter, quote-unquote, besides Dumbledore dying at the end, there's not really anything to to note, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like... Uh, they hang out, and they date for a while, and Dumbledore tells Harry a bunch of stuff about... Um, Voldemort when he was a kid I guess and like on paper it's just like this is fucking stupid like what are we doing there's a new potions teacher that Harry has to figure out something from and just like what what is this why why who cares but like we we spend the whole month we spend the whole movie getting the important piece of information and then we do the thing and then we'll and then Dumbledore dies like that's (laughs) yeah exactly that's what it is but it's great like it's really effective it's very fun yeah um and so yeah I don't know it's it's I mean I don't know like I said before it's the cilantro um (laughs) that I scrummy down on every time I go to a fancy restaurant um, hey, Adeline, do you want to hear a, a one-star review of Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince? I sure would like to. You're going to be really proud of me. I have it prepared this time. Wow. Um, this, er, this review comes from Benjamin123 on letterbox.com. It's a little oh, bit of a longer someone one. thought outside the box with that username. He says, wow, how can a movie get this bad? I felt bad for the actors involved in this piece of shit. This is such a bad movie that lacks any originality, and I bet the cast and crew were probably all high or drunk during this production. None of the acting seems believable, and when a sad scene does occur, instead of moving me with tears because of sadness, I was in tears because of how damn funny it was. How Honestly, everyone should just burn their copies of this, quote, film, unquote, and be fucking proud of it. Okay, the film, quote-unquote, it is a film, it's not. Martin Scorsese, is that you? Just Um, because you don't like a movie doesn't mean that it is no longer a movie. uh, So this is, uh, my name is Jackson McMurray. And my name is Helen McMurray. And this is No Nerds Allowed. No no Nerds Allowed. (laughs) I love the phrase. Were they um, doing marijuana? Were they doing the ouchie hole? I love the scene, and when a sad scene does occur, instead of moving me to tears because of sadness, like... There's this fucking guy always (laughs) exists. There's always one of them. He's like, (laughs) I think it's funny when Dumbledore dies. I'm so 